Welcome in everyone to Football Friday, presented by Football Addicts Anonymous. Chris will be along shortly, yeah, maybe in about 10-15 uh, minutes here, but I'll get it going. Uh, Mark is on, on the road, so he uh, can't join us unfortunately, but like I said, we'll have Chris here eventually for, for the stuff that matters at the end, uh, the, the game picks and, and whatnot. <clears throat> Starting off though... We had a college game last night. Appalachian State got the win at home, 31-30. to um, Was disappointed by this game, not by the score, but that uh, the fact that I had the under 58 uh, line ended up moving to 59, but uh, I had the under 58. Two things that killed that, first off, was... The game-winning, eventual game-winning field goal, Appalachian State kicked with um, 5.45 to go in the game. They actually came back from a 30-21 uh, to 21 deficit in the fourth quarter, 10 unanswered to win. But um, that and the 97-yard kick return touchdown by Rasheem Ali, Rasheen Ali for Marshall, that killed it as well. Can't have those kind of quick strike touchdowns um, when you're when you're betting unders. It doesn't work, and it actually faked out the camera guy. It was actually really crazy. Um, kick return touchdown. Go look that up if you would like to see it. Both quarterbacks not the greatest nights. Um, pretty similar actually in terms of almost every sustain. Every single statistic, um, you know, a little bit more, a couple more completions and attempts for Chase Bryce, but otherwise pretty similar. I think the the biggest thing was Nate Noel on the ground just dominated the, the Marshall defensive line. And Cameron Peoples, even though his average was in the, you know, sub – four almost sub three really at 3.1 but he got it done tough yards three touchdowns on the night for him rushing did turn the ball over but uh, yeah those runs came touchdowns one yard two yards and two yards Uh, Thomas Hennigan Corey Sutton were also very prevalent they accounted for almost all of the yards from Chase Bryce um, as you can see, 127 and a touchdown for Sutton. Hennigan, that's my guy, dude. I love Thomas Hennigan for App State. 123 off nine catches there. Um, then the other 100-yard receiver in the game, Xavier Gaines, the tight end for Marshall. 104 yards off five receptions and a touchdown. My favorite defensive performance, probably going to go um, with Micah Abraham for Marshall. Six tackles, five solos, two pass selections, and a pick. Um, a lot of great defensive performances, though, in this game, specifically on the Marshall side. They filled the stat sheet very well. But, yeah, like I said, Rasheen Ali, uh, 83 yards on the ground, touchdown, two catches for 10 yards, also that 97-yard kick return touchdown. Marshall covered plus 7 over 59.
Okay, uh, Monday Night Football Packers getting their first win of the season, 35-17. to What a night. Aaron Rodgers, a bounce back, uh, just like I thought he would have. Him and Aaron Jones, the Aaron Show. Uh, Aaron Jones uh, having four touchdowns as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Rodgers was stellar, 255 off 81.5% completion, four touchdowns, no turnovers. Jones, like I said, four touchdowns, three of them through the air, um, one on the ground. And then Adams as well. Devontae Adams had over 100 yards, 121 on eight receptions. Jared Goff, I mean, what can you say about his two performances? 0-2, but, you know, statistically and just watching in-game, I mean, the Lions aren't terrible offensively defensively that's a different question offensively though we've seen Jared Goff be able to run uh, to be able to run the offense efficiently and like they did against the Niners uh, you know came back to within one score this one was very close in the first half it it ended up 17-14 the Lions were even leading at halftime but 21 unanswered in the second half by the Packers you know, detrimental. It was raining. There was a fourth down stop by the Packers defense. Next offensive possession for the Lions. Goff fumbles the snap. Turnover. It was just a multitude of factors that um, cost the Lions the win in this one. Hawkinson, again, looked great. 8 for 66 in the touchdown. Cephas is emerging as the number one wide receiver. Um, Hawkinson, I still think, is the number one target overall in that offense. But, yeah, also disappointing betting-wise on this one. You know, I did hit twice on um, touchdown result drives for the Packers when they were scoring in the second half, but... Two biggest things, dude. I mean, I had DeAndre Swift over four and a half receptions. That one uh, missing by a half a catch, really uh, distraught stat there. What's up, Chris? How's it going? I'm talking about my betting woes from the Packers-Lions game on Monday night. Um, But, yeah, I had the over four and a half receptions for Swift. The last pass, Goff threw, intended for Swift, but short. Um, and then he gets sacked on fourth down and, and doesn't do anything. Uh, and also, I had Austin Seibert over five and a half points. You know, the man scores five points in the first half. You're thinking, Mandy, this is money. They just got to score one touchdown or kick one field goal in the second half. Any score for the Lions, besides a safety, gets Cybert one more point, right? Yeah, and they don't. They get shut out in the second half and lost by another half a point. So, oof. But that is how betting goes. So, well, speaking of betting, though, did you see uh, the one guy who? Uh, had the 16-game parlay. 
and yes. had the Lions winning on Monday night or covering or whatever. Obviously, yes. that didn't happen. But but he, I I still think he won a lot of money though. But he didn't. He, he did. would have won like I think he won like one hundred and twenty-five thousand or something like that off a twenty-five dollar bet. But he would have won significantly more if the Lions had actually done their part. Yes, luckily for him, sport the sports book. Uh, I believe it was DraftKings he was on. Um, had a nice gesture. And I would, too. 15 out of 16. That's really good. <laughs> I have a hard time hitting 3 out of 4. Or 2 uh-huh. out of 3. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So I already said my spiel about this game. I didn't know if you wanted to chip anything in, uh, except I didn't say about defense, but I can say that at the end. Well, just with this game, I mean, I know it was the Lions, but the Packers looked like a completely different team than they did in week one. Uh, Obviously, the first half wasn't as good. The Lions actually, like you said, they scored all 17 of their points in the first half. They were, I think they were leading at half, right? It was 17-14, I think, at halftime or something. Yep, yep. But overall, though, the Packers looked like the Packers that we kind of expected to see. And uh, obviously, like I said, we didn't get to see that happen in week one. They only scored three points against the Saints, who are obviously a much better team than the Lions, especially defensively. But, yeah, it's kind of – I don't know what to think about the Packers yet. I like them. You know, I'm I'm an A-Rod fan, so – um. Yeah, de- just quick defensively, I'm going to go with uh, Charles Harris, former first-round pick of the Dolphins, playing outside linebacker now for the Lions. Um, three tackles, one solo, a sack, tackle for loss, and two QB hits. Could also go Devondre Campbell, who had a great night, 13 tackles, 10 of them being solos, pass selection, and a pick. Packers covered minus 11.5 and, and the over 50 hit, which I did hit on that, however. Nice. Dude, my uh, button is, like, broken for uh, <laughs> my computer. I don't know why. Last night, Thursday Night Football. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm wearing this jersey, um, but it is a Panthers jersey. Um, a hurt player now, but Panthers 3-0. and for the first time since, do you know, Chris? Yeah, the Super Bowl year, 2015. Yes, sir, 2015 Super Bowl 50 appearance against the Broncos. Um, and I think I also this... read that the last time before that was their other Super Bowl against the Patriots in, what was that, 2001 or something like that? Yeah, 2000... yeah Super Bowl 38, I believe it was. Um, yeah. The one before the Eagles. So, yeah, uh, and and the other two times, the, the one before Super Bowl 38 was um, a 7-9 and nine year, and the previous one before that was a loss in the NFC Championship game. So, <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to get that far, but uh, I did try to warn people that the Panthers are going to be a lot better than, the, than people thought. Um, and Sam Darnold is for real. I mean, again, we all know my feelings on Sam Darnold. 
it might be somewhat biased because he was a Jet and he was just terrible as a Jet, so I don't believe in him. But I'm also not 100% convinced on the team as a whole because they haven't really faced that great a competition yet. They faced the Jets, the Texans, and the Saints. The Saints are the best of those three teams, and the Saints aren't really even sure what they are yet. We uh, we obviously know about all their injuries and stuff that they've uh, been piling up, and obviously the changing at guard at quarterback. So they still are trying to figure out things of their own. So, yeah, the Panthers I'm not 100% sold on yet until they actually face, like, a solid, like, playoff team that, like, everybody is expecting them to lose and they end up coming back and winning the game or whatever. Until they have that kind of signature game, I don't really believe them yet. Well, it's not their fault they have an easy schedule. They have the third-place schedule from last year. Um, you know, they do have games coming up. They, they go to Dallas next week. Um, you know, they, they host the Eagles, they host the Vikings, and they host the Patriots. they got to go to Arizona, host uh, the football team. They go to Miami, to Buffalo, and then they have the two games against the Bucks and one more against the Saints, so... There's some games. Yeah, what, when he plays the games against like his former division rivals or against the Buccaneers, like I think those are some of the games I'll be looking for because obviously, like I said, Darnold is obviously used to playing against those other teams, and he didn't do well against uh, like the AFC East. So if he can somehow turn it around and play good against those teams, I might be a little bit more of a believer. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, uh, it was a good night getting the win for the Panthers, but also a very detrimental night as far as injuries go. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but as you can see... At Chris, least it didn't sound serious, though. Yes, as you can see, Christian McCaffrey, not the leading rusher in this game. Rookie second-round pick, Tuba Hubbard, was um, in his stead... No running game, really, for either team after McCaffrey got injured. Um, Texans haven't had a running game all year. So, um, I don't I don't have a choice to, to not start Mark Ingram in fantasy, though. That's In a 14-team redraft league, uh, yeah. When J.K. Dobbins gets hurt, there's nothing on the waiver wires. <laughs> so, I didn't expect Houston's running game to be, like, all amazing and great or whatever, but I did expect them to be better than they are because they have three relatively solid running backs. And like, it's not like any of them are really taking the reins and having like 30 carries a game. They're all pretty much splitting the workload. So I'm kind of surprised that they didn't have enough or that they don't like that. They don't perform better than they are. Two factors. One offensive line. Isn't that good? And two, especially the last two games, they've been down. So they've had to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which will likely be the case for the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Tyrod out at least the next three weeks with his hamstring injury on IR. But well, I was going to say, what did you think of Davis Mills' debut? You know, I was sort of high on, on Mills in the pre-draft. And I don't think he did terrible. I mean, technically, he had a better completion percentage than Darnold by three-tenths of a percent. Um, but I think they limited him, which was 
a you know the right thing to do in terms of how much playbook they were going to give him. And it was a short week, so that was also tough being a rookie on a short week, making your first start. I don't I don't think he played terrible though. Like I said, the offensive line isn't that great. The Panthers pass rush right now is the best pass rush in the NFL. They have the most sacks in the league. Um I think it's 14 through 3 weeks. So with that I think you saw what he could do really on that two-minute drill that they scored the touchdown on. I think that was by far his best. You could see he wasn't thinking. It was quick, um, and he was getting the ball out of his hands. So, you know, he can do it. And Brandon Cooks is the guy, so (laughs) that's the only guy he needs to throw to. Yeah, and – I don't know if there was any correlation or whatnot, but it seemed like once McCaffrey got hurt and got knocked out of the game, the Texans' defense was able to get to Darn a lot, a lot more. I don't know if it had any anything to do with it, but they did strip him, I think, two or three times towards the end of the game. Yeah. So. Um, I'll do another two-factor test. First off, with a rookie and Chuba Hubbard, his pass protection skills are not that great yet. Mm-hmm. And second, also in passing, him running routes out of the backfield, he is not as elusive as Christian McCaffrey in route running. Yeah. Where, where you'd have that easy check down like you normally would when McCaffrey's in uh-huh. the game. But yeah, DJ Moore had a fantastic night. Uh, eight receptions, 126 yards. Not that great in the second half. He was over 100 yards in the first half. Um Anthony Miller caught his first catch and his first touchdown as a Houston Texan. Um, regretted not playing him. <laughs> he didn't do anything his first game. He didn't have he didn't yeah. even have a target his first game. So second game, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I, I was happy to see that though, because uh, I am kind of rooting for him because he kind of got the short end of the stick there in uh, Chicago. Not saying that Houston is any better than Chicago, but. I think he has a much better opportunity here than he would have in Chicago. So I'm kind of happy to see he actually did something this week. Yeah, and defensively, I'm going to go with uh, Hassan Reddick. He and, the, like I said, the other pass rushers for Carolina have just dominated through three games so far. Two tackles a solo, one and a half sacks, tackle for loss, and three QB hits. I know you want to shout out your guy Frankie Louvu too. Yeah, I I miss him. I wish he was still a Jet. Well, he's on the best pass rush in the league, so. (laughs) Panthers covered minus eight, and the under 43 hit. All right, NFL news, nothing NCAA-wise this week. Um, There was one thing, but I didn't understand it fully, so we're not going to talk about it. Uh, NFL, though. We got the list of the 122 nominees for the 2022 Hall of Fame class. I didn't look at the entire list, uh, but I did write down the first ballot players for 2022. There are 10 of them. They are uh, four wide receivers, Anquan Bolden, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, and Steve Smith Sr., offensive lineman Jake Long, uh, and Nick Mangold, 
Mm-hmm. Linebacker Demarcus Ware. Defensive lineman Robert Mathis and Vince Wilfork. And defensive back Antonio Cromarty. So, Chris, who do you think yeah, is the best? This- this class is obviously not nearly as strong as last year's, but I still think there's a couple solid first ballot Hall of Famers right there. I think Devin Hester is a no-brainer, um, and I think a couple of the defensive linemen, too, I think have a solid chance. Like Robert Mathis, I think, has a, a shot, and uh, DeMarcus Ware has a shot, um, and... I mean, I would love to see Cromarty make it. I don't know if he will, though, first ballot. I think he will eventually get in. I don't know if it's going to be first ballot, though. And uh, even Anquan Bolden, I think he's kind of the same category as Cromarty. I think they're both Hall of Fame-worthy players, but I don't think that either one of them is going to get in this year. I don't hold Antonio Cromarty that, that highly. Um, but I, I do agree with Devin Hester. The all-time leading kick return or, or return touchdowns, um, punt and kick return touchdown leader. Uh, the only thing with him is that's all he did, and we saw the reluctance for years of the Hall of Fame to put Steve Tasker in. Granted, Steve Tasker wasn't a returner full time; he was just like a Matthew Slater is today, where he is the best special teams player uh, yeah. in the league, but he didn't yeah. return a lot. I mean, I think it's a little, like, I think there's a difference there, like you said. Slit, like, a guy like Slater, he is a versatile uh, special teams player, so I don't think they're held as highly regarded as somebody like Devin Hester, who was probably the best returner of all time. And it's not like he didn't play offense. He did for a bunch of teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Bears tried to get him involved. I think his – trying to think where else. Because he played in Chicago, Atlanta. And there's one, there one other team, right? I think so. I can't think of who it is, but – I can't either. Um, wasn't Baltimore, was it? Late, I think one year after Atlanta, I think he did, but I don't think he did much offensively. No. But yeah, his biggest thing, you know, opening kick return touchdown in Super Bowl Forty One against the Colts. But yeah, I I do like Hester Anquan Bolden is up there on the receiving lists. Um. So he should get a chance, and like you said as well, DeMarcus Ware, just like Bolden, he is high up on the all-time sacks list um, as well. I think Steve Smith Sr. has a shot too. People kind of sleep on Steve Smith Sr., but when you look at his career with the Panthers and Ravens, he was one of the best receivers in that era. Yeah. So. All right. Next, the NFL today reinstating wide receiver Josh Gordon for the umpteenth time, uh, it, and he's eligible to play as early as next week, week four. So. 
tackle the. I'm curious to see if anybody actually takes a flyer on him because uh, now the NFL got rid of their. Uh, didn't they get rid of their uh, marijuana policy or whatever? It is. I don't think it, they necessarily got rid of it. They are putting money into uh, medicinal research for it. So I think teams might be more willing to take a chance on him because he won't get in as much trouble, if any, now. Because that was obviously his biggest downfall was marijuana. He couldn't stay off of it. So I think he'd be solid for... A playoff team, like I think he'd be kind of like the final piece, kind of like what Antonio Brown was last year for the uh, Buccaneers. I think he could be that type of player for another team this year. Yeah, I, I knew. Um, <laughs> I knew it was going to be a mad scramble for uh, him in fantasy because that's what happens. You know, I was surprised no one picked him up in our dynasty league yet. Uh, I was thinking about it, but I like my receivers already. So it's... I might take a chance on it if he's still out there because I have really bad receivers. So. The... I just don't know what what team would fit him though because I'm thinking about it and like all the high profile teams I feel like have a solid wide receiver core that don't really need another one. Um, well, the Browns. Jarvis Landry's currently on IR. That'd be kind of cool, though, to see him to go, go back. back. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they'd do it, but why not the Eagles? They can yeah. always use receivers. <laughs> All right, uh... Bears head coach Matt Nagy announcing that Justin Fields will start this week, but Andy Dalton is still the starter when he returns to be healthy. So Now, I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with him saying that because I feel like that's something he has to say. But I don't know how long Dalton's supposed to be out, but if it's a few weeks, like if, if Justin Fields gets to start like, three or four games and they're undefeated in those games and he plays well in those games. I have a hard time believing that they're actually going to switch back to Dalton. Right. That's why you can never uh, trust anything a head coach says. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. The Lions, they are exploring a trade of linebacker Jamie Collins Currently owed $3.378 million the rest of the year. Uh, rookie linebacker Derek Barnes out of Purdue has impressed them so far. The only thing with Jamie Collins is, like, is he even good anymore? That's, I, I think, well, the Lions aren't using him right. I understand that. They're using him as an off-ball linebacker, where I think he's best suited in a 3-4 like he was in New England, and that's where people say he should go. I was just thinking that, but I don't think I don't think they want him. They like their young guys. Yeah, I mean and, and he could be used as a, as a depth piece, though. 
But uh, yeah, he's only is he only signed through this year? Uh, I believe so. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, yeah, he would definitely probably be a rental player for whoever decides to trade for him, if anybody does. Yeah, I mean, but, if, uh, the, if the Steelers were um, a team that actually traded traffics, I would think they would be interested, considering uh, T.J. Watts nursing his groin injury. Alex Highsmith has a groin injury as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe if the price is right, they might be interested. But otherwise, I don't know much uh, many other spots that would take a shot on. Maybe Miami, since that's a that I believe Flores did coach him in New England. Maybe. What about the know. Jets? They need pass rush. Yeah. <laughs> they got cap. <laughs> All right, uh, COVID list guys. The Bucks they placed wide receiver Antonio Brown on the list. It's going to be tough for him to play, even though he is vaccinated. Just needs to get two negative tests within twenty four hours. Um, and he'll be able to play technically, but it'll be tough missing practice all week. And mm-hmm. then uh, the Ravens, many defensive, key defensive players placed on the list today. Nose tackle Brandon Williams, defensive lineman Justin Matabike, linebackers Justin Houston and Jalen Ferguson, all on the COVID list and all out this weekend. Luckily for them, they're playing the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I mean, who knows though? That could actually matter. Obviously, they looked good last week against the Chiefs in a game that I'm sure not many people picked. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. The the Lions also did impress, at least in the first half of last week's game. So I don't know. I don't think that game is as much of a lock as people might think. Uh, let's go to IR here Browns like I said placed wide receiver Jarvis Landry on the IR Um, I already said quarterback Tyrod Taylor he's out Uh, he was placed on IR along with rookie third round pick wide receiver Nico Collins Uh, Taylor is out three to four weeks with a hamstring injury the Broncos, they placed linebacker Bradley Chubb on IR. He had arthroscopic ankle surgery uh, to remove a bone spur. So he is out six to eight weeks. Oof. Von Miller taking up the slack there. The Lions, uh, coming out of Monday Night Football, they placed corner Ifeatu Melifanwu on the IR. We'll see what the corresponding move is later that. Uh, just another corner down for Detroit. Already mm-hmm. already out Jeff Okuda for the year. Uh, the Jags placed tight end James O'Shaughnessy on IR. They're starting tight end. Uh, the Giants, another offensive lineman down for them. On a, Shane Lemieux underwent surgery to repair his patellar tendon. He is done for the year, so Nick Gates and Shane Lemieux both out for the year now. Uh, for the Giants' offensive line. Eagles' offensive line guard Brandon Brooks. Uh, he has a pec strain. He's going to be out around eight weeks. This coming from 
<laughs> right tackle Lane Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was kind of like, that was so random to me. Like, <laughs> they got the report from another player. Why isn't the team signing that? Yeah, I don't know. All right, Steelers injuries here. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, he has a pec injury as well. Um, I would expect Ben to play. Uh, he doesn't miss many games that he has injuries that he can play through. <laughs> I would be interested, though, to know which pec it is. Because if it's his right one, that's a totally different story. But if it's left one, I think he can definitely play through that. Also with the Steelers, linebacker Alex Highsmith is out this week. He has a groin injury. Uh, wide receiver Deontay Johnson also ruled out with his knee injury suffered at the end of the game last week. Continuing in Pittsburgh, uh, Steelers linebacker TJ Watt with his groin injury. He is officially questionable and has a chance to play, they said. They're leaving the door open is the quoted phrase. Um that but the what, out there. like, do they actually expect him to, though, or are they just saying they're that leaving the door open, to... Chris? <laughs> Sounds like a, a GTD for for me. Uh. Game time decision, like a lot of players are this weekend. But the who are they st- playing this weekend again? They they host the Bengals. Okay, so I mean, they did lose to them last year, but that was in Cincinnati. That was, yeah, but. That, I think, to me, is also just whether they probably already know whether or not he's on track to play. I'm leaning towards probably not right now, but they're probably just saying that to kind of like make the Bengals game plan for him and stuff. Well, Get into the Bengals' heads. Well, that's fine because they are getting back linebacker Devin Bush and corner Joe Hayden this week. Um, both appear good to go. So. Falcons uh, wide receiver Russell Gage. He is week to week with an ankle injury. Not that he's done anything this season so far. Uh, I know fantasy owners know what I mean specifically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I have him on my on our keepers league, and he. I had him starting in my in week one, and he didn't do anything for me, so I benched him, and that seems to be the right decision. <laughs> drop. He's a drop candidate now with a week to week ankle mm-hmm. injury. Uh, uh-huh. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa he is out this week. Uh, they found out he does have fractured ribs, um, so no timetable. I didn't hear a timetable on him yet, so it'll be Jacoby Brissett and uh, with Reed Sinet backing him up. So Colts quarterback Carson Wentz he is dealing with. A high ankle sprain in his right ankle, a low ankle sprain in his left ankle. But he is a game-time decision this week. Not ruled out. Game-time decision for Carson Wentz. He has a chance. All I can say is only Carson Wentz would sprain both ankles. <laughs> I didn't understand how that was possible. And for you to, <laughs> still, for, for you to be able to... I know it's... Not a, a a complete tear because I've had a high ankle sprain, but for you to be able to walk with spraining both ankles, I I wouldn't have been able to. Granted, the left one's a low ankle sprain, so maybe 
he can put most of his weight on that foot. Um, but if he can't go, interesting thing that happened this week in Colts practice, practice squad quarterback Brett Hundley took the majority of the starting reps on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear if it's going to be Hundley or Jacob Eason if Wentz can't go. And uh, is Ellinger still with the team? I'm not sure if he's on their practice squad or not. Because I was kind of surprised. I mean, I obviously didn't expect him to be in the conversation for starting, but if they didn't re-sign with the practice squad, I'd be kind of surprised. Um, but, yeah, that when I saw that, too, that kind of made me shake my head because I don't think Hunley is a good quarterback. And if they're thinking about starting him over Eason, I think that says a lot about their trust in Eason as well. Oh, yeah, uh, Ellinger's on IR. That's Oh, oh. Yeah, he got hurt in the preseason, so he's not an option. All right, uh, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, he's dealing with his ankle injury. He is doubtful. Looks like it's going to be Peyton Barber starting again with uh, Kenyon Drake going as well. Your uh, your Saints, Chris, getting good news. Corner Marshawn Lattimore, he dealing with his hand injury. He is going to play this week. Yeah, he better start earning that big money contract he just got. <laughs> well, he hurt his hand signing. That's that's how he <laughs> hurt his hand. <laughs> uh, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, he is questionable officially but he is expected to play with uh, the non-covid illness that he had well that that was just karma that i heard that it, he apparently got hurt on that touchdown flip yeah that, i didn't know that's what the just actual karma right there for Sean I, didn't, I didn't know what the actual injury was i just knew he was dealing with a non-covid illness this week the chargers defensive end joey bosa officially questionable with his ankle and foot injury um, Vikings running back Dalvin Cook questionable as well. Uh, he didn't practice all Shocker week. Shocker there. He didn't practice all week, so his was an ankle. That's a shocker. I believe. Was it an ankle, Chris? Do you know? No, off the top of my head, but okay. Anytime I see Dalvin Cook's name in an injury report, I'm not surprised. <laughs> He's just as bad as Wentz. Cardinals wide maybe not just as bad as Wentz, but. Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, he is a game-time decision dealing with a rib injury. I didn't hear the full extent of what the rib injury is, whether it's bruised, rib cartilage, or whatnot. Um, but like Ian Rappaport said, D-Hop usually finds a way to play. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he doesn't, though, I obviously DeAndre Hopkins is among the best receivers in the league. He's a top-three receiver in the league, but... I actually, so far to this point, I actually believe in the Cardinals' offense with or without Hopkins. I think that A.J. Green and uh, Max Williams and even Christian Kirk, I think they can all hold down the fort for a game if if Hopkins can't go. Rondell Moore. Oh, yeah, Rondell Moore, too. I forgot about him. All right, uh... Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, he is doubtful this week. Rams running back Daryl Henderson Jr. is a game-time decision. So, uh, 
It's Funk time? Not really. It'd be Sony Michelle. Uh, but Jake Funk would be the backup, the primary backup, if I believe, anyways. I feel like I always forget one guy in the Rams' backfield, but I think Xavier Jones is still hurt. So yeah. Packers offensive lineman Elton Jenkins, he is doubtful, and the Browns wide receiver they they lost Jarvis Landry to IR for a couple weeks, but. OBJ is making his 2021 season debut this week, coming off his torn ACL, right, from last year? Yeah. So OBJ will play. And the Eagles left tackle Jordan Mailata, he injured his knee during practice. He is officially questionable for the game against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. All right. Panthers injuries from last night. Running back Christian McCaffrey, he strained his hamstring. He will miss a few weeks. So it'll be Chuba Hubbard, the rookie there. Corner uh, rookie, number eight overall pick, J.C. Horn. He broke three bones in his foot. Uh, Mulling what to do at this point, whether that's rehab or surgery. And uh, if it's surgery... Probably going to miss the rest of the season. Also in the secondary corner, uh, I believe he's their nickel corner, Justin Burris. He injured his groin last night as well. All right, some signings here. The Jags, they signed former Raiders corner Nevin Lawson to a one-year deal. Really quick transaction there, released by the Raiders one week, picked up by the Jags next week. The Broncos, they signed former Rams linebacker Micah Kaiser to a one-year $600,000 deal, but fully guaranteed deal uh, off of the Rams practice squad. And then uh, the Patriots, they signed kicker Nick Folk, uh, elevated him from the practice squad to the 53. And the Falcons, they signed punter Dustin Colquitt back in the league. I wonder, we were talking about last week with Thomas Morstead uh, coming back with the Jets here. Colquitt, I feel like he's been around, I don't know if it's been just as long, but it feels like it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's been in the league forever. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how he's been holding up. Because if I'm not mistaken, I feel like he hasn't played in a couple of years. I don't think he played last year. Um, no. The last time I remember him, he was trying to latch on with the Steelers and Mm -hmm. didn't. So, I think that was 2019. That he was in a preseason competition with Jordan Berry um, and lost. So. All right. uh, Some practice squad elevations here. The Lions, they elevated corner Daryl Worley. Texans uh, elevated quarterback Jeff Driscoll. That was last night, so he was the backup uh, to Davis Mills. Steelers, they signed linebacker Taco Charlton to the practice squad, former first-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Yeah, just uh, some depth for the practice squad. Might even play. I don't know if he will play this week or not, depending on how they feel where his conditioning is at. 
And I think that also depends on whether TJ Watt's playing or not. Yeah. Whether they will elevate him pregame. Uh, and then the Seahawks, they signed tight end, former Packers tight end Jay Sternberger to the practice squad as well. Finally, some workouts here. The Jags, we already talked about James O'Shaughnessy going on IR. So, in turn, they worked out tight end Trey Burton, former Eagles, Bears, Colts, tight end. Trey Burton, Philly special Trey Burton. <laughs> uh, and his one of his former teams, the Colts, interesting workouts today. They worked out former Titans first-round pick Isaiah Wilson. Um, hmm. So, you know, traded from Houston to the Dolphins. Subsequently released very quickly. Dealing with off-the-field stuff. We'll see if he can get back in the AFC South or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, was, that whole thing with him was interesting. So, I wonder... If, I mean, the Colts must think that he is over whatever problems he had if they brought him in for a workout. So, yeah, we'll have to see. And uh, with the Christian McCaffrey injury, the Panthers worked out running backs today. Uh, Ito Smith, Duke Johnson, and Dontrell Hilliard. I, I mean, I know the Panthers don't really have the ground and pound type of uh, play style, but Adrian Peterson is still <laughs> I out knew there. You were I going you, there. <laughs> and I still think he had, I mean, he's obviously, I don't think, a feature back anymore, but I think he'd be perfectly a perfect compliment and a perfect mentor for a guy like uh, Hubbard. Um, well, we know Frank Gore's and, not looking for jobs. Oh, yeah. I forgot about <laughs> Frank Gore, too. He's not looking for an NFL job, though. Didn't you hear about that? He is. He is training to uh, pursue a fight, a boxing match. He is now into boxing. Um at age 59. I don't even know how old Craig Gore is anymore. But yeah, he is not currently looking for NFL job. He is focused on his boxing career. That's right. When he, when he retires from that in 10 years, he'll come back. To play with his son. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And actually, I would like Adrian Peterson to get signed by someone. I have him in a uh, – I just drafted him when I, I drafted this best ball lineup on uh, – I think it's Fandle. And I drafted a best ball lineup, and I drafted him like my last pick. I was like, well, I think he's going to get signed. At that time, you know, Cam Akers had got hurt, and I was like, dude, he's going to sign with the Rams, no doubt. And then he didn't, and then, yeah, he's just sitting there. All right, let's get to college pick standings here. Look at that, man. Dude, we railed it last week. No one had double-digit losses, and I annihilated it. Four losses, 23-4, and 21-6 for Mark, 20-7 and seven for Chris. And now you're in a three-game hole, Chris. Yeah, I mean... Hey, it's only three games, and it's only week, what, four of the college four. season? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I still got plenty of time to catch up. 
I will say, though, our guest picker last week, Nate, fantastic as well. I didn't have time to put his record on here, but he also only had four losses. He went 16-4 and four in the 20 games that he picked for college, um, only losing Indiana, uh, Auburn, Virginia, and Air Force. So, And the games that we differed on last week, Michigan State, Miami, where you lone wolfed. Uh, Mississippi State, Memphis, where you lone wolfed. <laughs> uh, North Carolina, Virginia, where Chris lone wolfed. <laughs> or no, no, that one Mark lone wolfed. That one Mark lone wolfed. Yes. Yeah, I was just saying, I was UNC on that one. And then Utah State Air Force, where the GOAT lone wolfed. <laughs> I told you, dude. Spreads don't mean anything. Which you will see. Uh, that mantra is put to work in my picks this weekend. You will see. Yeah, I had a I had a tough time picking these college games because mm. it was the spreads and everything seemed very weird this week. There's a lot of games every week, and I texted you and I said, "You think 35 is too much?" And you're like, "Yeah," but. <laughs> I like having non-ranked matchups that are really good teams because it's so hard to pick, which makes our pick standings better. So we do have a couple yeah. of those this week. Not as many as I wanted to. Chris told me I couldn't have that many. So, <laughs> All right. I just didn't want to be sitting here until 9 o'clock. Tonight, we have three games on our slate. Wake Forest undefeated at Virginia in Charlottesville. Um the Cavaliers getting three and a half here over the Demon Deacons. We're all on Virginia. Yeah. I thought about taking Wake Forest here because they are undefeated and all that. And it is only a three and a half point spread. But I just, I, uh, I don't know. I didn't really take the time to look at, like, who Wake Forest play. Like, are they three and oh with a tough schedule? Or do they have an easy schedule? I don't know. But I do know Virginia's played some pretty good teams, and they've played very well in those three games that they've played. And, yeah, they are the favorites, so I had to go with them. The answer to your question is no, Wake Forest hasn't played anyone. They've played Old Dominion, Norfolk, Norfolk State, and Florida State. Well, then there you go. Virginia's <laughs> winning this. Yeah, Virginia coming off their first loss of the season, a 20-point loss to North Carolina. Uh, the over-under is massive. 70 for this game. And the only reason is that Wake Forest is scoring uh, 30, 39 points per game. Virginia scoring 41. So Yeah, but, I mean, you even just said it there. Wake Forest hasn't played anybody good yet. <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to score 39 points in this game. Yeah. I mean, Sam Hartman's not terrible. I do really like Brennan Armstrong for uh, Virginia. But the, the the Demon Deacons also have two guys I'm familiar with, A.T. Perry at wide receiver and uh, Christian Beal-Smith at running back. So wouldn't be surprised if it went over, but I'm going to take the under. 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. ESPN2. Second game, 
undefeated Liberty, the Flames, head into the Carrier Dome against Syracuse. The Flames getting six and a half. We're all on the Malik Willis train. Yeah, I didn't see any reason why not to pick Liberty. I uh, I think I picked against them in one of these games already, and they already proved me wrong. So I, I couldn't go against them in this one. Yeah, I mean they they are the favorite anyway, so it's not like I'm trying to pick the underdog here. Only thing I will caution: we've said it before. Syracuse at the dome is a tough out. Yeah, but. They already lost the Rutgers at the Dome, so let's go Liberty. Rutgers has a great defense, though, I will say that, which I'll we'll, I'll talk about during their game. I was going to say, we're going to get to that game, and I'm surprised. That was one of the games I was, like, most shocked about the – I don't know if it was the spread or the over-under, but one of those I was like, wow, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Over-under for this one is 54. I would go under. I just – I'm hesitant with – because – I don't think Syracuse's offense is all that great with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it'll be somewhere in the 40s. I, I think under. 8 p.m. ACC Network. Dude, literally my down button is, like, broken. I don't know what happened. All right. Winless UNLV. The Rebels head to number 22 Fresno State, who are not 3-0. and They are 3-1. and That's my bet. Um... That one loss doesn't make a difference, though. This is still going to be a blowout game <laughs> in Fresno State's favor. This is true. I I am interested to know if Jake Hayner will be playing or not. Um, if because I'm not, I didn't hear exactly what his injuries were from last week. I don't know if he was just banged up really badly from the pass rush or if he was actually injured. Obviously, this would be a great game to rest him because they do have some games coming up. You know, they got to go to Hawaii next week. So, I think this would be a great, before they start their conference slate, I think it'd be a pretty good game to rest Hayner and get him prepped for Hawaii in two weeks. So. Fresno State, minus 30, and the over-under is 59. Can UNLV help? <laughs> uh, that, I mean, I can. I think Fresno State can score 30, but that would then mean that UNLV would have to score, what would that be, like 20? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it goes to 50. Or whatever yeah, I think under. I don't. I think Fresno will score somewhere around. <laughs> they're gonna score forty-five to fifty points on their own. Um, it just depends on. It's gonna and depend on the, if uh, it's gonna depend on if UNLV kicks a field goal or a touchdown. <laughs> I was gonna say what's what's the number again? Fifty-four. Fifty-nine. 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 Yeah, no, I don't think it's getting to 59. I, I could see it getting into the 50s, but I highly doubt they actually get to 59. 10 p.m. CBS Sportsnet. Let's go to tomorrow. Number two, Georgia 
heading to Nashville to play Vanderbilt at Nissan Stadium, I believe. It usually is at Nissan Stadium. But anyways, it was kind of shocked. I, I mean, this is the second week in a row that they're a 30-plus point favorite against the SEC team. It is Vanderbilt, I understand. They're only scoring 16.7 points per game. Um, so, I, I think the biggest question is, will, will the dogs cover? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. 35 is a lot. Did they cover the one from last week? No, because South Carolina scored two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I think this could be a similar situation to that. I mean, Georgia, they are obviously one of the best teams in the in the country. I think all of us had them going to the championship, and I expect them to have an undefeated season. But I think that they, they will give give up some garbage time points because they'll already be up by, like, 45 points, and they'll, they just won't care anymore. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think they cover the 35, but... Yeah, I don't know. Um, Vanderbilt is really, really, really bad. They got blown out, mind you, by East Tennessee State in week one, 23-3. I think they were lucky to beat Colorado State 24-21 week two. And then they get blown out 41-23 to against Stanford last weekend. So... I wouldn't be surprised if they cover. Um, explosive offense from JT Daniels and co. Go damn dogs. Over-under is 54. I'm going over. Georgia's going to score, score, score. Mm-hmm. 12 p.m. SEC Network. Villanova undefeated at number six Penn State. In-state matchup here. Uh, Nittany Lions getting 30 and a half. Now, I will say this about this game. It's not... I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State covers, but it's not going to be as bad early as people think it will be. I think Villanova will be able to hold and, and run with Penn State for about a quarter and a half, or maybe even the whole first half. Yeah. I'm obviously not as big of a believer in Penn State. I'm still going back to their pretty bad season from last year. Obviously, they don't have the exact same team from last year and all that, and it's a different schedule whatnot, but I'm not a total believer in them yet. However, in this game, I don't see a problem. The 30-and-a-half is a huge thing, and... I, I don't feel as comfortable with that with Penn State as I do the 35 for Georgia. But, yeah, I, I agree, though. I think that Penn State, in the end, will at the very least get close to that number. I don't know if they'll actually cover, but I think they'll win by more than three touchdowns. Yeah. 54.5 is the over-under. I'm going over once again. Um, and then 12 p.m. Big Ten Network. I won't be watching any of the cable networks this weekend. At noon, anyways. Uh, come on. I'm telling you, dude, my button's broken. The down one. There we go. 
Big matchup. Ooh. Biggest one of the weekend, actually. Number 12, Notre Dame at number 18, Wisconsin. This is played in Soldier Field. Uh, neutral site game. The Badgers getting six and a half. I am lone wolfing Wisconsin. Not because I'm obligated to, because I live here. Um, but, I mean, that does play a factor. But I I just, I don't think Notre Dame can keep doing it. They can't just keep winning close games like that. That's not sustainable. And Wisconsin has uh, the second, uh, the third best defense in the Big Ten. I think Wisconsin overall has a top ten defense in the nation. So I think they're going to frustrate Jack Cohn. The offense will do just enough. They're going to run the ball a lot, which I think Notre Dame has become susceptible to. And I don't think Notre Dame's defense is that good besides Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm not the lone wolf in this one. I thought that Mark was going to be uh, going with Wisconsin with you, but uh, I, I think that played a factor in why I picked Notre Dame because I'm trying to make up ground here, obviously. Uh, so I did pick them expecting to be the lone wolf here, but I mean, you said all the reasons why they can't win or the, why they shouldn't win or whatever, but they are undefeated. They are the higher ranked team. And I mean, the spread's not terrible. It's less than a touchdown. And when it's like this, especially in college, cause NFL is different, but when the spreads under a touchdown like this, I don't really take that into consideration as much as I would a bigger spread. Um, so I think that Notre Dame can easily cover that and win by a touchdown rather than lose by a touchdown. Um, and yeah, I agree with the not being able to sustain winning close games every week. But for this week, I think that they can continue that trend and win a close one at Soldier Field. Fact of the matter is, the three teams they've played so far are not that great. <laughs> uh, Florida State, Toledo, Purdue. All relatively close. Um, dumbest thing about this game, though, is it an 11 a.m. Central kickoff it's so stupid. I understand why freaking Fox has to have their big noon kickoff for the Big Ten. Uh, and Notre Dame, or Wisconsin is is the team, the game that they picked to have big noon kickoff this week. College game day will be there as well, so um, highly doubt many people will be tuning in to Fox's big noon kickoff as opposed to ESPN's college game day. So... I'm not going, unfortunately. <laughs> Tickets are too expensive. They're like 200 bucks. Um, Over-under is 45. And I'm going to go under because of Wisconsin's defense. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, I, I think this will be a low-scoring game. 12 p.m. on Fox. All right, SEC matchup, LSU, two-and-a-half-point favorites at Mississippi State. 
Now, Mark said this was a revenge game. I, I don't. I guess Mississippi State beat them last year. I don't remember, but um, I he, wouldn't be surprised because LSU was really bad last year. Yeah, I'm lone wolfing them though. Uh, I'm lo- I'm lone wolfing Mississippi State. I'm with the Bulldogs. Yeah, Mississippi State let me down last week. I I lone wolfed them last week. They let me down, and I just I couldn't go against LSU. Obviously, they're still kind of quote unquote rebuilding from their championship, but and I was really surprised that this was only a two and a half point. Uh, spread here, but the uh, I just think LSU's pedigree overall, I think, will win them this game. I just I, I, I don't know. Mississippi State to me shouldn't only be a two and a half point underdog. Well, the reason I'm doing it is Will Rogers, quarterback for Mississippi State, has been electric. Uh, granted, you know, the point totals haven't necessarily been there. 35, 24, and 29. So, pretty low in terms of upper echelon uh, uh, offenses in college. LSU, on the other hand, they've scored a lot. 27, 34, and 49. But they haven't played anyone besides their week one, week zero loss to uh, UCLA. Or week one loss to UCLA. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Mississippi State has played NC State. They played Memphis, who they lost to last week. I like Will Rogers' 8-1 eight to, eight to one touchdown interception <laughs> ratio. He's already over 1,000 yards on the season in three games. So we'll have to see if the LSU defense can can stop him. And one other thing, it's at Mississippi State, so they'll have the cow, cowbells out and ringing. Hmm. Over-under is 56. I'm going over. A lot of points going to be scored in this one. Uh-huh. It's actually crazy. Max Johnson, quarterback for LSU, has a 11-2 touchdown interception ratio. Just as good as Will Rogers. But, I mean, I know you have Mississippi State winning this game, but do you think it'll be the field goal game like this says it's going to be, or do you think that they would win by at least a touchdown or, or more? No, I think it'll be close. This is a, this is a matchup of... Two mid-tier SEC teams. 12 p.m. ESPN. I think my down button has been broken. Now i got to click every time. Uh, All right, SEC-ACC matchup here. Missouri at Boston College. Boston College undefeated. They haven't played anyone, Chris. (laughs) I don't care. I, I just went with Boston College. I really don't like picking a Boston team because I hate all Boston sports. I'm a New York fan through and through. But Boston College, undefeated at home. I know they didn't play anybody. It's only a one-and-a-half-point spread, though. And, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity for me to make up some ground here. (laughs) So, let's go Boston College. Boston College is three wins. They've blown all three teams out. But... Colgate, UMass, and Temple. <laughs> Temple's not terrible. Oh, they're terrible. They are they are really <laughs> bad right now. Missouri, on the other hand, Central Michigan. They lost to Kentucky. And then 
They blew out Southeast Missouri State. SEMO. Just a little bit better. At least they've played SEC team. <laughs> and they lost to that team. But uh, over-under in this one is 58. Not sure. Uh, Boston College, Phil Dracovich has not been the quarterback, If you, in case you didn't know. He has been mm-hmm. injured. Uh, and I like Connor ba- Basilak for Missouri, as well as Tyler Beatty at running back. So. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one, but I mean, you said Boston College scores a lot of points. They do. Against, so, no, one. Against no one. I know, but still, <laughs> I think that they can still put up a good amount of points on the board. Yeah, I think and Missouri I think, will get enough. I, I don't know. It's going to be a close one. That, that one's tough to call, but I'll say that they'll be just short. Yeah, Missouri averaging 40, Boston College 41. That's 81, but still, I don't think that they get that. Missouri's averaging 513 yards per game. (laughs) Boston College is 100 yards shorter. All right, uh, this one is 12 p.m. ESPN 2. All right, undefeated matchup, SMU at TCU. This is the 100th meeting between these two all-time TCU leads in that category. But I'm Lone Wolf and SMU. <laughs> I thought long and hard about this one, too. I almost went with SMU. But I wasn't going to go crazy on every one of my picks because I need to grab to at least stay where I am. So I was trying to pick and choose where I was going to take my chances. In this game, I wasn't going to take my chance. SMU, yes, they're a great team and all that, but it's at TCU, and TCU's uh, nine and a half point favorite. So I was like, I can't, I can't go against them in this one. Yeah, TCU leads the all-time series fifty-one, forty-one, and seven. Um, but SMU has the nation leader in touchdown passes. Tanner Mordecai has sixteen through three games, and. That's why. Really, it's the players on offense for SMU that I love. Their, their triangle of players, their big three, quarterback Tanner Mordecai, running back Ulysses Bentley the fourth, and then wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Those are the guys. They also have Oklahoma transfer tight end Grant Calcaterra as well. Um. And I just like – I mean, it's going to be a quarterback showcase, though. Max Duggan for TCU as well is is really good. He lost to SMU the only time he's played them in 2019. So, we'll see. Over-under is 66. Yeah, it'll, it'll be close. Both teams will score in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Definitely would take SMU plus nine and a half, um, but so I well I mean if they score in the thirties it'd be tough not to get over sixty six. Yeah, thirty eight, thirty one. That's sixty nine. Yeah, and uh, I would cover the spread too. 
12 p.m. FS1. Battle Texas. Texas Tech undefeated Red Raiders at Texas. The Longhorns getting nine points here. Um, yeah, I mean, who has Texas Tech played, do you ask? Houston, Stephen F. Austin, and FIU. They're giving up about 21 points per game in those three games. That's pretty bad for playing those three games. But, uh, no. I, I enjoy when all three logos on the bottom are the same because that means we either all gain a point or we all fall another point down. The other games stress me out when I'm lone wolfing them because I haven't been doing too well in my lone wolf games so far this season. But, uh, yeah, there's no reason Texas shouldn't win this game. You already mentioned Texas Tech's 3-0 and start, quote-unquote, because they haven't played anybody. And in those games, they still have given up a lot of points. So... I don't see any reason why Texas can't put up a lot of points and bury them, pretty much. Yeah, Texas coming off a, a shutout of Rice um, after their blowout loss to Arkansas and then their blowout win over Louisiana. So at least they're battle-tested playing in SEC and one of the best group of five teams in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Over/under for this one is 63. I think it goes over. We know what the we know what Texas Tech brings in their spread offense, and we think Texas is going to win. So they're going to have to keep score. 12 p.m. ABC. UMass at number 17 Coastal Carolina, coming off a. Uh, an unspectacular showing in Buffalo last weekend for the shot to clears. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you mentioned UMass before when we were talking about, I think, Boston College. Uh, yeah, they lost to Boston But College. we all know what Coastal is. Obviously, they, I mean, they still beat Buffalo, but they didn't have the, that great of a uh, game against them. But, yeah, this game, 36 is a huge spread, but I think Coastal could do it. I don't think I, Coastal's I, I don't think, I think it'll be tough, covered. but I think they can do it. I don't know if Coastal's covered any game this year yet. Or, no, I think they covered the Kansas game. Or, no, they pushed. They pushed the Kansas game. They didn't cover against Citadel, and they didn't cover against Buffalo. So they are 0-2-1 against the spread this year. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> I, I knew Buffalo was going to be a tough game because Buffalo, even with losing all their players, or not all their players, but some of their big players from last year, uh, I knew it was still going to be a tough game. But, yeah, UMass going to Coastal. On the teal. I, yeah. Coastal, <laughs> I think that this is probably Coastal's easiest game of the season, especially up to this point, at least. So, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, they have a couple uh, a couple of nice games to, to get themselves right in a row. Uh, UMass, UL Monroe. Then they got to go to Arkansas State on a Thursday night. So, get right, Coastal Carolina. 
Over under is 66. No. No chance. No, no. <laughs> UMass can't score it. 1 p.m. Maybe anything. 1 p.m. ESPN Plus. Colorado State, the Rams at number five. Iowa Hawkeyes, undefeated Iowa, one of the best defenses in the country. 23 and a half for the Hawkeyes here. And I think they cover. Um, yeah. Colorado State's not that good. They've only scored about 23-ish, 22, 23 points per game. Iowa scoring 30. But Colorado State won't score 20. They'll barely score one. They'll barely score seven if uh, if they do it all against that defense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if they do, it'll probably be a garbage time touchdown, or they'll just somehow get lucky and score one during the game. But, uh, yeah, Iowa State, four scores. I think they, they'll be ahead at least four scores. So it's an easy one for them. Over-under is 44. <laughs> So, I mean, I does, Iowa, like that, does Iowa score 45 points? I think they do. <laughs> and they can. I, I'm going to say it's going to go over, but it's going to be because of Colorado State getting that final touchdown at the end of the game, <laughs> the garbage time touchdown, put it, pushing it over. All right, 330 FS1. This is... Besides Notre Dame, Wisconsin, this one is a great game. This is also a neutral site game. Number seven, Texas A and M, three and zero at number sixteen, Arkansas, also three and zero. And you know where this one is, Chris? Where? This one's at Jerry World, which means hmm. Arkansas is gonna win because Jerry is a Razorback alum, and the Hogs are gonna come in. To Jerry's house and win, his alma mater will win. Because of KJ Jefferson, that's why. I don't know. This one, I mean, I picked Texas A&M for many reasons. I didn't know the whole uh, game being in in Dallas thing, but I think that actually helps Texas A&M even more. uh, Because... Technically, it turns them into the home team in a way because it is now in Texas instead of at Arkansas. And, yes, Jerry was an Arkansas alum and all that, but now since it's closer to A&M, I think the fans will travel better and travel more, um, and I think it'll sound definitely more like a home game for A&M than it will for Arkansas. Um but yeah, I just I think that AM is one of the more underrated teams. I know they're ranked seven, but I think they're one of the more underrated teams in college football. I think people overlook them because they are usually and I have them finishing as the first team out of the playoffs. Like they've been that the last couple of years, so people seem to overlook them a little bit. And uh but I don't I think that they Continue their hot start. Go four and zero here. Uh, yeah, 
I don't see why they shouldn't win this one. I mean, I can tell you why. <laughs> Both teams have only played one quality opponent. Arkansas, rolling Texas. Texas A&M's only relevant game at Colorado. They didn't win that game until about a minute to go in the game. They were down 7-3, and they won it 10-7. That's hey, but... one of the other reasons why I'm picking the Hogs. That, but to me, that just shows that they just don't give up. They play till the end of the game. Also, Texas A&M is going for its 10th straight win over Arkansas. I think that gives Arkansas motivation to beat them. Um, and it, it actually moved up a point. It's five and a half now. But I, I'm rolling with K.J. Jefferson. I don't believe in the quarterbacks, uh, the, the new quarterback, Zach Calzada, for A&M. Not my kind of guy. K.J. Jefferson, however, is. I do love Jimbo. The running backs there are spectacular as well. Isaiah Spiller, Devin Achain. But K.J. Jefferson, dude, that's, that's my guy. Overrunner is 47, low scoring. I think Arkansas's defense is a factor. A&M's defense is pretty decent, too. Uh, don't want to discount that, but I think it's under. Um, I don't think it's high scoring at all. Well, do you think it's low scoring to the point of the Colorado game, or do you think no. they both score like in the teens and low 20s? One team will score 20, the other one in the teens. 3.30 on CBS. That is the SEC on CBS game. ACC matchup number nine, Clemson. Ten-point favorites at NC State. Uh, we're all reluctantly <laughs> back, on the end, back on the Clemson train. <laughs> mm-hmm. after, I'm glad I'm not the only one. After the crapshoot that happened uh, against Georgia Tech last week. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. Because Clemson has obviously not been the same team that they were last year or even the year before. Uh, they, I mean, I didn't think that losing Trevor Lawrence was going to be that big of an issue. And I still think that they'll be okay by the end of the season, but... So far, it seems like they're having trouble getting their feet under them this season. Yeah, they're 2-1, and one, but like you said, those two games that they won were not <laughs> the prettiest wins, and their loss was against Georgia, losing 10-3. to three. So, yeah, it, I don't know. And obviously, NC State has kind of surprised, at least surprised me. Uh, I think I picked against them in both of their wins. So let's hope that they don't do that to me again this week. Uh, but yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> well, I picked against them in one of them, I think. Probably. Uh, I, I think we only had them for one. Well, I don't know. I thought I picked against them, though. Or, or maybe I'm thinking yeah. about last year because I picked against them a lot and they kept beating me. Yeah, but they, anyway. they lost to Mississippi State. 
I think we all picked them. Yeah. Clemson, though, I I don't see a problem with this one. Hopefully. I, I do. I can see them. Uh, I can see NC State covering the spread, though. Yeah, it, and the thing is, is, Clemson didn't just lose Trevor Lawrence. They lost Travis Etienne, Cornell Powell at wide receiver. Jackson mm-hmm. Carmen at tackle was a big one as well. Um, as we've seen, DJ <laughs> Uyunglele have a lot of trouble with pass protection. I wouldn't discount. I wouldn't count out NC State. I, I think they have a realistic chance. Clemson's only scoring 22 points per game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that actually ranks um, in terms of overall college, but um, I would assume it's in the hundreds <laughs> or 80s, yeah. 90s, somewhere down there as one of the worst offenses in college football. Mm-hmm. One thing, though, this should be a low-scoring game. Both defenses have been spectacular. NC State's only given up 10 per game. Clemson's only giving up 7 per game. I think that's really the only reason they are 2-1. and one. <laughs> So, I do like the offense for NC State. Devin Leary at quarterback. Zonovan Knight at running back. So, I think I'm with you. I think NC State can cover. It's well. Will we actually see a, a Clemson offense um, that resembles a a Division One college offense? All right. Over under is forty eight. Like I said, under defenses for both teams are very good. Three thirty, ESPN. Big 12 matchup here, number 14, Iowa State, seven-point favorites at Baylor, who are 3-0. The the three teams Baylor has played, however, not very good. (laughs) Texas State, Texas Southern, and Kansas. Wait, I just uh, I just wanted to clear something up because I I was curious. So I looked it up. Clemson ranks 105th, so you were right. Yeah, <laughs> figured I was right. But uh, yeah, I loved that Iowa State got their mojo back in the blowout at UNLV <laughs> last weekend. Another, it's the first conference game of the season. I do think they cover. I don't believe Baylor is that good. Um, even under Dave Aranda in his second season there. I think Iowa State's really good, though. That's that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Baylor, yeah, you, you said they're having a decent season, 3-0, whatever. But Iowa State, they had that one bad game. But I think that they... Still have a solid shot at uh, turning their season around here. Starts here at Baylor. Um, and, yeah, they have one of the – one of my favorite Heisman candidates there with Mr. Hall. 
So I think he'll have a big game here. Seven point spread. Uh, I, I don't know. I I kind of like it, but uh, I don't know. But yeah, they are my. I think they were my number six team when we did the picks, and I I still think that they can get to that. And like I said, it starts here. Over under is again forty eight, and I like the over. It's a Big Twelve matchup. Mm-hmm. 3.30 on Fox. Big 10, Rutgers undefeated. At number 19, Michigan, also undefeated. Now, <laughs> the spread is 20 uh-huh. and a half. Mm-hmm. Rutgers will cover. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I saw the 20 and a half, that, this is one of the games I was the most shocked about. Because 20 and a half, yes, Michigan's having a great season, but so is Rutgers. And you've mentioned already before, Rutgers has a great defense. So I think that the defense will keep them in the game. And I'm still not 100% sold on Michigan yet. Like I said, yes, they're off to a good start this season. But just based on their track record under Harbaugh, I feel like it's bound to unravel soon. It could happen in this game, but because of all the factors, like the spread and it being at Michigan, Michigan being the ranked team, all signs are pointing to Michigan, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers upsets. I agree. I, I, I already kind of foreshadowed earlier how good Rutgers' defense is, and I think Rutgers is really legit. Greg Schiano. The only coach that can actually make Rutgers legit um, <laughs> in their program history. And I think, unfortunately, if this one was in Jersey, I think it would be a different story. Uh, but it's at the big house. So I do think Michigan wins, but like I said, I, Rutgers will cover. 20 and a half for the kind of defense they have is, is too much. And I think Shiano's game plan will be to make Cade McNamara throw the ball. Because we've seen Michigan has a rushing offense that is one of the best in the country so far through three weeks. I mean, they average 350 rushing yards per game. I mean, that's ridiculous. And only 164 passing yards per game. So both defenses are averaging, uh, are giving up 11 points per game, 11.3. So... Should be good. Should be a really good one. Mm. And I might even live bet Rutgers. Money line. Over-under is 50. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) 3.30 ABC. Alrighty. Conference USA at American Athletic Conference. UTSA undefeated at Memphis. Undefeated. Memphis Tigers getting three points. Were you surprised that I didn't take my boy Sincere McCormick? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I think that played a factor into me picking Memphis because I needed to pick against you. But, yeah. I also do believe, though, that Memphis can win this game. Um, they've already proven me wrong once or twice this season. And... uh I mean, UTSA, they're a decent team, but 
again, all signs. This is a much. This is probably one of the closer games that we've had so far on the on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, Memphis is still the favorite by three points, but they're still the favorite, and they are at home. So I had to go with them. Yeah, I think it'll be a very competitive game. Uh, both teams in their wins have played close ones. Um, in, in two of their wins, I should say. They each played one FCS school um, in blowouts there. UTSA, their last week was a 14-point win. Both of Memphis's wins have been within a touchdown. But, yeah, I, I'm still on the Memphis train. I, I had them when they beat Mississippi State last weekend in a close one. They have a young but really talented uh, core three in uh, Seth Hannigan at quarterback, Brandon Thomas at running back, and, of course, Calvin Austin at wide receiver, who is one of the best playmakers in the country. I'm not saying not to cover the spread, but it'll be close. And I think it'll be an entertaining game. UTSA is for real, though. Sincere McCormick, Frank Harris at quarterback. Gotta love the Roadrunners. Over-under is big. 67. I think it's close. There should be a lot of points. Um, Both offenses have shown they can score, so wouldn't be surprised if it goes over. 3.30, 3.30, ESPNU. Georgia State at number 23, Auburn. Coming off the loss to Penn State last weekend. Yeah, no. Uh, Georgia State is going to get blown out. They have not proven to, to be the team that I thought they were going to be <laughs> with Quad Brown at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, Auburn has actually shown that they've they can – hold their own this year two and one but they are ranked this year and they've like i said they've performed pretty well to this point i think at least better than they have in recent years um so yeah i don't see any reason why they shouldn't win by four touchdowns concur over under is 57 um I actually am gonna. I'm gonna go over. I think Georgia State can score maybe ten, ish. Four p.m. SEC Network. Number twenty-four UCLA at Stanford. UCLA coming off the loss. Uh, unfortunately, you missed my gluttonous moment, Chris, on on Monday. Um, with uh, Mr. Hayner, Jake Hayner, going into the Rose Bowl. I told y'all it was going to happen on Friday, and uh, it did. Unfortunately, I, I picked UCLA because I didn't have the balls to pick Fresno State. But, yeah, Jake Hayner went into the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA on its home turf. I was very happy and excited to watch that happen. But Stanford, first uh, – Opening conference game for each team. Or no, Stanford played UCLA or USC already this week. 
uh, two weeks ago. But um, Stanford has gotten a lot better since they switched quarterbacks after week one. Mm. Yeah, this was a tough game for me to pick. You already mentioned the UCLA meltdown from last week. But, and Stanford also has kind of surprised a little bit this year. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I think UCLA has the ability to bounce back, even though it is in Stanford. But I think UCLA can go to Stanford and take care of business here. Four and a half, I don't know. I, st- I think Stanford has a chance to cover it, but. I don't I think don't so. I, I think UCLA covers it. Um, they need to get back to what they were doing the last the, the first two games, because against Fresno mm-hmm. State they threw way too much, and I think that's ultimately what cost them the game. If they can get back running the ball with Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown, they'll win this game handily. I think because mm-hmm. the, the Pac-12 doesn't have many teams that do that that pound the ball so all right over under is 59 i'm going over both teams uh ucla scores about 40 ucla scores about 40 points per game stanford's about 30 so high yeah i I, I agree 6 p.m pac-12 network SEC matchup, Tennessee at number 11, Florida. Gators losing in the swamp last week to number one, Alabama. But this is Tennessee. It's completely different. Yeah, this was one of the easier picks this week. I mean, you you already mentioned Florida. They're, I don't, they're essentially 2-0. I don't really count any games against Alabama because I think Alabama's going to run the table. They're going to win all their games. So when I look at everybody's schedule or everybody's win-loss record or whatever, I never really count the Alabama game because it's pretty much when you get your schedule, circle that as a loss anyway. Um, But in their other two games, I think they played well. Even without uh, two of their best offense players there with Kyle Trask and and Kyle Pitts, um, I think they've bounced back relatively nicely without those two. Um, and I'm sure they have a few others that I can't think of off the top of my head that they lost too, but I think those are probably the two biggest losses that they had. Um, but yeah, they're getting a much easier opponent here with Tennessee. I mean, they are still home because they were home last week too, but uh, they're still home and I think they got it done down there in Florida. Yeah, Hendon Hooker has taken over the the starting quarterback position for Tennessee over Joe Milton um, in a 56-0 blowout of a shutout of Tennessee Tech last weekend. Good primer for Florida. I think Tennessee, and Hendon Hooker's a veteran being a starter at Virginia Tech before that. So I think Tennessee can cover I'm still not sold on Emory Jones. Played well against Alabama, but still not sold. It'll be interesting to see if Anthony Richardson is healthy enough to play for the Gators. 
But I think this one's going to be a running quarterback palooza. I mean, Hendon Hooker runs the ball well. Anthony Richardson, both Emory, him and Emory Jones run the ball well as well from the quarterback position. And even if Tennessee has to play Joe Milton, we know he can run too. So, quarterback rushing game. <laughs> That's what you're going to see a lot, I think, in this one. Yep, yeah, probably. Over under 64. That's a lot. That's a lot for Tennessee and Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't like that one. That's too high for me. 7 p.m. ESPN. Big Ten matchup, Nebraska, 2-2 two and two at number 20, Michigan State. Sparty is undefeated, and they are getting five points at home in East Lansing. Mm-hmm. I love the Spartans. They are one of my favorite teams so far this year. Mel Tucker in year two has completely turned it around as oh. in three games anyways. But um, they'll cover, no problem. Yeah, I uh, I learned my lesson last week with uh, Michi- with Michigan State there. <laughs> I I uh, so I'm rolling with them this week, but you already said here Michigan State at home defeated the the favorite, and I mean in. I I think that Nebraska is not that great. I mean, they're two and two, so they played four games, but they're two and two, which is not a great record at all. And uh, I just think that I mean, Michigan State took care of business last week against against Miami, and I think Nebraska is a worse team than Miami. So I think that this is just kind of a an easier game for them. Yeah. Nebraska, the only thing Nebraska has is that uh, they're playing for their head coach right now. Because <laughs> if they lose any more, many more, I should say, uh, Scott Frost is gone. Uh, I think he's gone anyways. Uh, it just is is when, really, in my mind. But I mean, I know, I know players always say, like, that they don't play to lose or whatever. But when something like that occurs, like if the players really don't like the coach and they know that if they lose, they're going to fire him, do you think that they really are trying to win? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I do know is that I love the, the offense for Michigan State. Peyton, Walk, Peyton Thorne at quarterback. Kenneth Walker at running back is a monster right now. And uh, one thing Sparty will have to look out for, Adrian Martinez running the football from the quarterback spot. He is one of the best quarterback, uh, rushing quarterbacks in the country. So, yeah. Sparty with the win here. Over-under is 52. And I'm, I want to go under because it's a Big Ten game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably will will say under just because I'm not confident in Nebraska's offense. 7 p.m. FS1. That makes it even bit better, too, that it's at night in East Lansing. Number 25, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. 
Now, Chris, the only reason you're alone wolfing is because Mark said for this game that he was rolling with me, and I was very disappointed because I, if he was actually picking the game, I feel like he would have won Oklahoma State. But you're on the mullet and Mike Gundy at home. Yeah, I mean, this one was kind of tough to pick, but I just, I think that Oklahoma State has what it takes to win this one. Uh, I mean, they're at home. They're Both teams are undefeated, yes, but Oklahoma State has the home field advantage here. Although they aren't ranked, unlike Kansas State, but Kansas State is the bottom of the barrel of the ranked teams. They're the last ranked team there with number 25. Um, so, yeah, I just, I like Oklahoma State in this one. Uh, not sure about the spread. I think it could be a field goal game. But I still think Oklahoma State finds a way to come out on top in this one. Yeah, I was surprised that Oklahoma State is undefeated. Um they they beat Boise State by one on the blue turf last mm-hmm. week. Was surprising to me. I always tend to go back to the offenses though, and the one that I like best is Kansas State. Will Howard was was great against Nevada, filling in for the injured Skylar Thompson. We saw his rushing ability really played a factor against the Wolfpack. And I'm, I'm just not as confident in the, in the Oklahoma State offense. And Spencer Sanders particularly does not, um, does not woo me. And I, I don't know really who their running game is. They said that a bunch of receivers had been hurt for them for Oklahoma State. So not even sure who's playing receiver for them either. What I do know, like I said, Will Howard for Kansas State quarterback. And they have one of the best all-purpose running backs in the country in Deuce Vaughn. So, again, I think he's the difference. I said I picked Nevada last week, but I told y'all, if Kansas State wins, it's going to be Deuce Vaughn, and and it really was. So, mm-hmm. over under is low, really low for a Big Twelve game. Forty seven. I think it goes over. Kansas State scoring like thirty points per game. Yeah, yeah I think that the, this game can easily get into the fifties, maybe even sixty. Seven p.m. Big Twelve Network and ESPN Plus. SEC, Kentucky undefeated at South Carolina. Chris, you are a lone wolf in the Gamecocks. Yeah, I, the only reason I did, though, is because I had a feeling that you guys were going to both know Kentucky. So this is one of those ones I took a chance on. Did, and uh, <laughs> This was another one yeah, that, just, that Mark said, roll with Rusty. So, Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, I just, I don't know. Even though I picked them because I had a feeling I was going to be a lone wolf, but I I do think South Carolina can win. Not necessarily because of them, though. I th- I just think that Kentucky's one of the pretenders. They are three and zero, but I just I don't really believe in them. So I think that South Carolina can uh, defend their home turf there. And uh, yeah, 
Apparently, it's going to be real loud at South Carolina in Columbia. But I, I'm, I'm continuing to roll with, with my former Penn State quarterback, Will Levis, for Kentucky, uh, as well as the Nebraska transfer wide receiver, Wandale Robinson. have been impressed by him. They beat Missouri, like I said earlier. I think that was a great win for them. And I'm not sold on the quarterback situation for South Carolina. I don't even know who it's going to be because Zeb Noland got nicked up last game against Georgia. And it's probably going to be Luke. Uh, it, it, they do say Luke Doty is expected to start. Definitely mm-hmm. not confident in Luke Doty. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the Cats. And they're actually looking to start 2-0 and in the SEC uh, for the first time since 77. <laughs> in a season that they finished 10-1. and And also beat number four Penn State that, that year. So, yeah. Like Wildcats in this one. Over-under is 49. No. Because South Carolina is not going to score much. <laughs> I don't think either team is going to really score that much. Will Levis, dude. Will Levis. He's going to do it. 7 p.m. ESPN 2. That is also a reason why it's going to be very loud in Columbia. Night game. All right, number one team in the nation, Southern Miss at number one, Alabama. <laughs> and uh, Not, Nothing to say about this one. Alabama wins by <laughs> 50, game over. Will they, though? That That's the thing. I mean, we've talked about Nick Saban's really bad record against the spread when he's favored by 50 or more. I don't know what it is when it's 45, when it's 40 or more. I'm just saying that I do not trust Alabama to cover this. Well, I think it's only because, like, they're already up by 50 by halftime, so then they don't really play the second half, and then they just kind of let their opponents score a couple times to cover the spread. But, yeah, I don't know. Can The, the question is, can Southern Mississippi actually score the points? Even if they're easy garbage time in the second quarter point. Well, their only other time they've played the number one overall, the number one team in the country, they lost to Alabama 42-7 to in 1980. And, well, that would cover the spread. <laughs> and their last win against Alabama came in 82 in the final game of Bear Bryant's career. Yeah, it's not looking like a good game for them. Take Southern Miss plus 45. That's what we're saying. (laughs) Over-under is 59, though. So, yeah, we're going over because Southern Miss is going to (laughs) cover. All right. 7.30 SEC Network. 
Big 12. I think this is a sneaky, sneaky game. West Virginia at number four, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Sooners getting 17. I yeah, think... I, I, I'm fully confident that Oklahoma can win this game. But, yeah, the 17, I don't know about that. Yeah, West Virginia will cover. Uh, it Toughest thing, again, is all these games that we're doing now are night games. Mm-hmm. So, nighttime in Norman, that is – very difficult place to play. Uh, plus, it is the Big 12 opener for each team. West Virginia's their two Power 5 games that they played within one score, upsetting Virginia Tech last week by six, losing to Maryland by six. And we know what Oklahoma, you know, their two Power 5 games as well, or not Power 5, Tulane's a American conference. But... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that one was a five-pointer, seven-point win against Nebraska. So it sets it up easily to be a close game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma, like I said, though, they're definitely going to win this game. But I think the score really depends on Spencer Rattler. Because, obviously, he, coming into the season, was the Heisman favorite. I still think he might be, but he definitely hasn't played up to his full potential this year. He's had some shaky performances at times. So, and you already mentioned West Virginia has had a pretty good start to their season. And, yeah, if they can get to him, I think that it'll be a lot closer of a game than the spread says. But if he has the all-star Heisman-type performance that he's capable of, then I think Oklahoma can cover the spread but i don't know i think it's more likely that they don't god i wish this game was in morgantown because west virginia would have a legit shot with a night game in morgantown to upset number four in norman though it's different i, I don't think they'll really mm-hmm. know to do it over under is 56 let's go over um yeah 7 30 abc Night game at the shoe. Akron at number nine, Ohio State. 48 and a half. Highest spread that we have this weekend. Yeah, okay. Moving on. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, I mean, Ohio State's going to obviously win this game by a million points, but I don't know. I don't know if they cover the 48 and a half. I don't, I don't know if I like. They will. Because they're gonna win fifty six to nothing. That that's how bad Akron is. I mean, they are one of the worst teams in college football. Down there with the likes of UL Monroe and such. They're not as bad as UConn and UMass, but the next tier up is where Akron and UL Monroe are. <laughs> Over-under is 67, and I said they're going to win 56 to nothing, so no, it's not going to go over 67. (laughs) Unless they beat them 70 to nothing. 730, Big Ten Network. Number 21, North Carolina at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. It's just tricky. It moved up to 13.5 now uh, for the heels. 
I'm just saying we saw what Tech did to Clemson last weekend. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, UNC should cover this one. I mean, should win this one. But as I've been saying all season, I'm only picking them because of my cousin being there. But, yeah, they should win this one. 12 and a half or 13 and a half, whatever. I don't know. But uh, hold on. I'm going to go out for a second. I'll be right back. Again, it's a night game, and it's not at North Carolina. It's it's in Atlanta at Georgia Tech. So uh, I'm just saying it's it's actually oh no, this is a neutral site. Never mind. This is in Atlanta, but it's at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Uh, so that makes a difference. Makes a huge difference, actually. I think. That makes it easier for North Carolina to win and probably even cover because it's a neutral site. Granted, it's still in Atlanta. It's just at a bigger stadium. You know, I think Sam Howell plays well, plays better being in Mercedes-Benz than at Bobby Dodd Stadium. So, Over-under is 65. I'm going under. I don't think Tech can score as much. 7.30 ACC Network. USF, the Bulls, at number 15 BYU in Provo. (laughs) The Cougs getting 23.5 here. And there is no chance for South Florida. I mean... BYU has proven that they are a sound football team and they have played three Pac-12 teams in a row, beat them all, Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, two ranked teams in a row. They're gearing up for Utah, the, the, the torturous run of Utah State, Boise State, then they play Big 12 Baylor. That's a tough run. So I think they got to get right in this one, and uh, they'll blow out USF at night in Provo. So over under is fifty four, and I'm gonna go over. Ten fifteen, ESPN two. Pack twelve at. After dark, Arizona at number three, Oregon. This is our last FBS game, and it's not going to be pretty. Arizona sucks. Yeah. Yeah, Oregon wins this one. I think that 28 and a half is low enough. I think they cover this one easy. And you know why Arizona sucks? You know what? what you know who they lost their last game to? In-state. You know what? FCS, Northern Arizona. The Lumberjacks got them last week. <laughs> 21 to 19. So that's how bad Arizona is. Yeah, that is pretty bad. Look for Anthony Brown to have a big game. CJ Riddell as well. Over under is 58. I'm going under. Not confident Arizona can score enough. Yeah, and I don't think Oregon scores near that either. 
Well, they scored 38 points per game. Well, I'm, I, I know. I'm saying I <laughs> think they could score around 38 to 45, but they can't get yeah. to the spread by themselves. 10-30 ESPN. FCS game of the week, Weber State. Second week in a row on the show for the Wildcat for the Bobcats or what Mark said it what it was one time. I don't remember what he said it was. Some yeah, kind of Bobcat links thing. Uh but yeah, number twelve, UC Davis at number thirteen, Weber State coming off the loss to James Madison last week. This is a very close game. You know, when you look at it. <laughs> It's 12-13 for one, but when you actually look at the stats of both teams, UC Davis, their three wins, they're, they're blowing people out. I mean, they destroyed San Diego 53-7. to Dixie State, who we know sucks, 60-27, to though. And they also have an FBS win. They upset Tulsa 19-17 to in week one. Uh, you know, we we know what Weber State is. They got blown out by Utah week one, forty to seventeen. They blew out Dixie State forty one to three, and then the the thirty seven twenty four loss to James Madison last weekend. So, yeah, I mean, just go on your we, Weber State rant. No, we all know <laughs> I hate Weber State, but you said it right there. Why UC Davis should be the clear favorite, the clear winner here. They have three, I mean, not maybe not three quality games, but at least the one quality win. And the other two, they took care of business the way they should. So I just don't understand why they're number 12 and Weber State is number 13. These are two totally different teams and they're only one spot apart. Because Weber State, before their loss to James Madison, they were number nine. So they dropped four spots for losing to the number three team in the country by only 13 or whatever it was. <laughs> All right, but still, Weaver State <laughs> should should not be anywhere in this game. <laughs> UC Davis will win by at least two touchdowns, maybe three. I don't think it's going to be that bad. but Especially with Bronson Barron at quarterback. Uh they are Wildcats. That's what it says. The UC Davis Aggies versus Weber State Wildcats. So, yeah, if uh, I believe Bronson Barron should be playing for Weber State. So, if he is, I mean, that's that's a big difference because Bronson Barron is one of the better FCS quarterbacks in most stats. So. Mm. And I don't have any lines for this game because they never put FCS lines out until the day up. So, wish I could tell you. We'll have we'll have the who covered and the over under on Monday though. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> All right, NFL pick standings, dude. Mark Mark destroyed us last week. I mean, ten and four. What a job. Yeah. <laughs> He's now. He I haven't now had that great of a start to the season. Yeah, dude. I mean, how he has a three-game lead over myself, four games over you. Mark's starting to run away with it early on in the year. Mm-hmm. Both of us eight and six last week. Games that we differed on. I lone wolfed the Eagles against the Niners and lost. 
You lone wolfed the Saints versus the Panthers and lost. Uh, so that, there was two games for Mark already. And then he yep. he won his lone wolf of the Cowboys beating the Chargers. So <laughs> he was 3-0 and in uh, lone, wolf, lone wolf scenarios. All right. Bengals at Steelers. We're all on Pittsburgh. The NFL picks are very uh, boring. Many games, <laughs> we all pick the same. There's, I think literally this week there's only like two that we have a lone wolf on. So, Oh, well. But, yeah. I'd be interested to see how Pittsburgh plays this one. With uh, Ben having the peck injury... Deontay Johnson out. That's more targets for Juju and Chase Claypool. I think they should run the ball. They should commit to running the ball. Give Najee Harris 20, 25 carries in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were the, la- the worst rushing team in the league last year. And they're averaging less yards in two games than they already were last year. They averaged 57 yards per game, I get. I think, rushing last year. They're averaging like 39 per game through two. Yeah, this definitely wasn't the start of the season that uh, we all expected from Najee Harris. But, yeah, I think that this would be a perfect game, like you said, for him to break out. Um, you already said about Ben Roethlisberger's injury, or, yeah, injury and all that. So, yeah, this would be the perfect game for them to do it. I was kind of surprised when looking over the thing that the Steelers are only a three-point favorite here. I thought they'd be at least five or six. Well, I think it's because the books like Joe Burrow, for one, and how the offense has played despite the three interceptions last week and the pick mm-hmm. six. But also, I think the Rossberger injury affects it as well as the fact that the Steelers can't run the ball right now and that T.J. Watt is essentially a game-time decision. Yeah. Over-under is 43. Under. Yeah, under. Uh Washington at Buffalo. Uh, Bills getting seven points even. Was kind of surprised we were all on Buffalo. Yeah, I, I was going to say, this game, I think, is going to be closer than the first game. Uh, I mean, we all saw what happened to Buffalo week one against Pittsburgh. And this is a similar defense to Pittsburgh. So I can definitely see Washington upsetting the Bills here, even though it is in Buffalo and all that. But, yeah, I just I couldn't go against Buffalo at home, though. That was exactly my thinking. It's the same exact scenario. The defensive line is great for Washington. Offensive line has been suspect for Buffalo. I think I think it's just that Washington has been prone to being thrown on. Uh, we've seen it through both of their games. Justin Herbert had a lot of success. Daniel Jones had a lot of success uh, throwing the ball. And I think... <laughs> That Josh Allen will, too. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not starting him in fantasy, unfortunately, in our Dynasty League. I'm, I'm starting Aaron Rodgers instead. Um, but 
because I was I was scared of the pass rush for Washington. That's that's yeah. the only reason. Um, but yeah, I, I love dude. I felt I love Taylor Heineke. I think he's gonna make the game close, and you know, the Washington will cover. I think. Yeah, and well, this could be the game for your your defensive player of the year candidate too. This could be the game where he starts his campaign. True. Yeah. Over-under is 46. I'm actually going to mm. go over. I'm actually going to go over. Both teams score in the 20s, regardless of the Washington defensive line. <clears throat> High yeah. 20s. High 20s, I guess. All right, uh, Bears at the Browns. Justin Fields' first career start is not going to go very well. <laughs> it's at the dog pound. Browns, even without Jarvis Landry, they're getting OBJ back. They're gonna run the ball. Mm. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't believe in Odell Beckham whatsoever, though. But uh, I don't know. I think this game is gonna be close. Even though it is like uh, Justin Fields' first start and all that, he has had some NFL action already, though, in the first two games. Um, and yeah, I just think that the Browns aren't the same team that they were last year. I think they aren't as good as they were. And yes, they have a good defense and a good running game, but the Bears, I mean, I just, their defense is still, I think, pretty decent with Khalil Mack and Co. So I don't know. I, I, just, I'm, I know I picked the Browns, but I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields gets his first NFL uh, win here. I don't believe in Justin Fields. I he's, don't really either, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does. He's not ready to start. I agree with Matt Nagy in that aspect. Uh, I know a lot of Bears fans and a lot of people overall don't don't. Uh, agree with that, but you can see, you saw it when he went in last week. Mm -hmm. I mean, the man can't read a defense (laughs) and throw the ball accurately at this point in his career. And the thing that saves him is running the ball, and he makes fantastic plays running the ball, but you can't do that (laughs) a lot. Uh, You're not not Lamar Jackson who has been the only quarterback that can consistently do that to people and still be going. But, yeah, I think the Browns cover the spread. It's down to seven now, which makes it easier. So, you know, a seven-point win is a push anyways. But I think they cover. The Browns' defense, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and the like are going to give the porous – Offensive line fits for Chicago. So, yeah. Over under is forty five, and I'm going under. Uh huh. Gonna go. Uh, gonna go twenty eight to ten. I I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it'll be closer than that. But yeah, I think that it's gonna be a very defensive game, and the Browns are gonna control the game with the run game. Well, I had twenty eight seventeen in my head first off, but then I was like, I don't. 
believe that Justin Fields can get 17 points. I don't know why. I just, I don't. All right, Ravens, eight and a half point favorites at Detroit. It's actually down to seven and a half now. Uh, I think that was a factor with all the defensive players being put on COVID. I don't mm-hmm. think it matters as much, but before you came on, I was talking about how Jared Goff has surprised me through two games. He has played very well within the circumstances that he was given. Um, mm-hmm. So it's at home where they almost came back, almost made the, the miraculous comeback against San Francisco two weeks ago. But it's Baltimore, and they're a playoff team. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wasn't too sure about Baltimore. Obviously, we all picked against them last weekend against the Chiefs, and they proved us all wrong. Lamar finally got that monkey off his back. He finally won against Kansas City. Um, so despite him having whatever illness or injury issues that he's had this week, and despite all the defensive players being out, I know I said when we were doing the news segment before that I wouldn't be surprised if this was a close game. I still wouldn't really be surprised if it was a close game and I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions covered, but I don't see the Ravens losing this game. I could I could see this game being similar to the week one game with San Francisco and Detroit, where the Ravens go up big early and then the Lions just play catch up and make it close at the end. Yeah, I uh, if the Ravens do somehow lose, I owe my uh, my friend Maddie a drink. So <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the worst situation for them to lose. Mm-hmm. Over-under is 50. I think it goes over, dude. I mean, we saw yeah. we saw what happened with the Niners game where both teams scored in the 30s. But also, you look at the Packers game even. That was a total of 52. And the Ravens-Chiefs game was also over 50. So, yeah, over 50. AFC South matchup here, Owen to Indianapolis, heading to Nashville to play the Titans. Was surprised. We were all on Tennessee. Mark rolled with me. It was funny. The NFL picks that Mark said he was rolling with me, it literally didn't matter. Most of them, except one later on, that we were all on the same train anyways. So, um, No, this game, I, I mean, we all saw – the Titans that we expected to see week one, we all saw them last week. Uh, Derrick Henry finally, I mean, not finally, he showed everybody that he is still Derrick Henry, he is still King Henry. And the Colts haven't had the greatest start to their season. They're 0-2. They're having quarterback issues already, which I feel like a lot of people already expected. Um, But Carson Wentz... I mean, I don't. I don't think he's going to play. They haven't said he's not going to, but I don't think he will. I think they'll keep him out another week. And he, uh, I mean, and then their quarterback options other than Wentz though aren't that great, especially if they start Hundley. 
I don't believe in Hundley whatsoever. So I think that the Colts offense struggles this week and the Titans offense gets it done. Yeah, that that's the thing. Can the, Col- the Colts can't afford for Carson Wentz not to play. I think mean, that's the biggest factor. I mean, it's already a, a huge mountain to overcome for 0-2. If you go to 0-3, that's a death sentence. I mean, there's no... I mean, even with 17 games, it's... You have to win... 10 out of the last 14 to even get close at 10 and 7. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think they have a choice. I think Carson's got to play whether he's 100% or not. Because, like you said, the quarterback options behind him are not great. So. And, as an Eagles fan, please, Carson, play as many snaps as possible. For the draft pick. Because <laughs> it's not looking like playoffs right now for, for Indianapolis. Over-under is 48. <laughs> it ended uh, 45, 40, no, it ended 51, the Colts-Rams game last week. I think it goes just over 28-21, Titans win. That's 49. I, yeah, I have them covering as well. I, I like that score. Just depends if they can score 21 if Carson doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you just hand it off to Taylor for 75%. I hope so. I hope so. He's disappointed in fantasy so far. Um, Not his fault. Speaking of fantasy, I actually got this trade offer during the show here, Dynasty League. Not our Dynasty League, but one of my other ones I'm in. Um, I am giving away, I would be giving away Antonio Gibson and Marquise Brown for Damian Harris, Mike Evans, and Amon Ra St. Brown. I'm leaning towards no. (laughs) I mean, you're definitely giving him the better running back, but... Those two wide receivers in, in return for Marquise Brown. Well, I mean, it depends on Marquise. The rest has, of your team. Marquise is having a, a banner season so far through two games. He scored double digit fantasy points each of his first two games. Um, and Mike Evans, I believe, is hurt right now or nicked up a little bit. Yeah. So. And Antonio Gibson was on the list at Fantasy Pros of running backs to trade for. Damian Harris, Mike Evans, on the list to trade away. <laughs> so. Yeah. Maybe he read that article. Uh, yeah, we already said over here. Let's go to AFC West matchup. Chargers at Chiefs. Last time we saw this one, or not, it wasn't the last time, but the first time, Justin Herbert's First career start uh, last season was magnificent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, he lost <laughs> with yeah. a Bucker 58-yarder, but uh, this game could be a barn burner, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I honestly thought about picking the Chargers here. <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> I didn't. 
Well, I think the only reason I didn't is because it's in Kansas City. Yeah. I think if it was in LA, I think I would have maybe leaned towards the Chargers and tried to get a win here. But um, I mean, obviously, our with our preseason uh, picks, I have the Chargers being the number one seed over the Chiefs. Uh, but right now, I think the Chiefs have the leg up. They're coming off the loss. I don't know off the top of my head the record of Chiefs or the record of the Chiefs under Andy Reid after a loss because I know there's not many of those anyway. Um. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that Mahomes will lose two in a row, especially not being home in front of the fans. Well, the Chiefs are technically 1-0 and after a loss already this season. <laughs> they won week one <laughs> after losing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but the craziest impact that this game has, the loser is in fourth place in the AFC West. Craziest implication this one has. Mm-hmm. Over-under is the biggest one of the weekend. 55. Or no, no, the second biggest one. Tied for a second. 55, though. We already said it could be a barn burner. But I think they are in the 20s, not the 30s in this game. Defenses are improved. Yeah, but I don't know. I still think Mahomes and Herbert are two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Herbert hasn't had the best start to the season, but I think that the two of them can combine for a lot of points and a lot of yards. Just want to get uh, updated because I believe... Or, yeah, two games are actually going on right now. Um, we got uh, Charlotte beating Mid-Tennessee State 14-7 to in the second quarter. Wake Forest beating Virginia 7 nothing, but uh, Virginia's got a first and goal at the Wake 8-yard line. All right. Uh, next one. Saints at the Patriots. Chris, you didn't do it. I I thought you would. <laughs> no, I I I couldn't. Uh, just based on how the season's gone for these two teams, um, I am kind of. I was also kind of surprised it's only a three point game, being that it's in New England. But I think the factor there was Mac Jones. I think he was the probably the reason why it's only a three point game. But I thought he had a really good start last week. I thought he had a great game last week. Uh, granted, it was against the Jets. <laughs> but the Jets, their defense hasn't been the problem. The Jets' defense has actually performed pretty well. And uh, But he still played probably better than any other rookie last week. And, uh, I mean, that Patriots defense, though, is still pretty good. And we obviously all saw what happened last week with the Saints after their week one victory, blowout victory over the Packers. They went and got beat pretty bad by the Panthers. So I don't know. I think that was another reason why I picked the Patriots because I'm more confident in what the Patriots are than what the Saints are. The Saints, I'm still not sure what to think of them yet, but the Patriots are always going to be the Patriots. Yeah, Patriots defense is why I took them as well. Um, 
based off what the Panthers' defense did to Jameis Winston. And the real question is, will the J- real Jameis Winston please stand up? Um, <laughs> and I think we saw the real Jameis Winston last week. And, um, yeah, that's uh, that's why. Defense. Uh, I mean, yeah, this, uh, this one, obviously, I was – trying not to be biased and I'm not being biased in this pick obviously because if I was being biased I'd be picking the Saints but as a Saints fan and a Jets fan please Saints blow out the Patriots that would be a like I wouldn't care what else happened that day that would just be a great that would be a great day for me if the Saints can pull this one off well again I'm low-key under the radar every time regardless of whether I pick the Patriots in their game or not you know I'm rooting against them because of the wager I have, and I'm rooting for the Jets, Chris, every week because I need them to finish above the Patriots in the standings. So, not looking too good right now. <laughs> yeah. Score update: Mid Tennessee tied it. It is now 14-14 in Charlotte against Charlotte. Over under is 43. Under. Low one, but under. Falcons 0-2 matchup. Who's going 0-3? Falcons at the Giants in MetLife Stadium. I'm low. I don't care. I'm lone wolf in the G-men. Uh, regardless of how well Matt Ryan played against the Bucks, he still threw two pick sixes. Um, and you know the Giants have two linemen out for the year, offensive linemen, but. Falcons don't have a pass rush. I mean, come on. Besides Grady Jarrett. Daniel Jones has surprised me. He's played well. Uh Not against the Broncos, who is one of the better defenses. But he played well against Washington. Um, And he's going to play well against Falcons defense. That sucks. So. Yeah, I I just... I picked the, the Falcons because... I believe that this one's going to end up being a high-scoring shootout type of game. And I just don't believe that in the at the end of the day, I think that the Falcons will be able to outlast this, the Giants in that scenario. <clears throat> okay, I have no idea what is going on in this uh, game right now. Uh, it's timeout Virginia. I guess. I don't know. They got a pass interference first and goal, I believe. Yeah, dude. Um, Mark actually picked this one. He didn't roll with you. So <laughs> I was happy he picked this one. As the yeah, first. I was wondering that, too. I'm excited. Um, but, yeah, I just – the Falcons, I mean, we've said it since the – probably since last season, too. The Falcons obviously have one of the worst defenses in the league which bodes well for the Giants' offense, but still, I just, I'm not, uh, I think that the Falcons can win in a shootout game. I think uh, that's pretty much what I'm banking on with this pick. James Bradbury versus Calvin Ridley, great matchup. Mm-hmm. Even though Terry McLaurin had a field day last week. And, and I'm looking for uh, Kyle Pitts to finally have a big game, too. I'm not even going to talk about Kyle Pitts. Screwed, screwed me over week one, not scoring a touchdown. 
Over-under is 48. You like the over, I know. Uh, I'm going to go under, though. It, the Giants' defense is the difference. Maybe it goes over. I don't know. All right. Uh, f- now, this is the last 1 p.m. game here. Cardinals at the Jags. Cardinals getting 7.5 points here. Love them. They're going to mm-hmm. blow them out. <laughs> yeah, Even I though mean, we don't get blowouts, really, in the NFL. No, this is – I feel like this is a kind of a trap game, though, for Cardinals, even though I picked them. But I can definitely see this being one of the signature moments of Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. But, no, the Cardinals – yeah, we talked about it earlier. DeAndre Hopkins is having the – uh, issue with his ribs or whatever but the cardinals team though as a whole i think is just far and away better than the jaguars i think they're better at pretty much every position except for maybe running back question is chandler jones have another five sack game <laughs> i mean i i think it's possible because i don't think jacksonville's offensive line is that great over-under is 52. Hmm. I'm going, That's a tough one. I'm going over. Jags will be able to score a little bit, maybe. <laughs> I mean, the Vikings did. Yeah. All right, 405 games. Your Jets at the Broncos going 0-3. <laughs> yeah, and a former I, Jet is going to beat them. You can't even call him a former Jet. <laughs> He was on the bus, wasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) He was on the team for two preseason games and got (laughs) traded. Um, But, yeah, no. The way the Jets' offense has been playing this season, it's going to be an ugly day again for Zach Wilson and co. Um, Luckily, he doesn't have Bradley Chubb chasing him around. I I was just about to say, (laughs) he doesn't have to worry about Bradley Chubb, but Von Miller (laughs) is still playing at a high level. And uh, even without Bradley Chubb complimenting him on the other side, I think that <clears throat> he could still get through line a couple times. Um, however, I do think that the ten and a half is a little high. <laughs> I think that it won't be. A, I, I think the Jets will cover the spread, but I don't think they'll win the game. Are you sure, Chris? Did you see yeah, Zach Wilson the, throw four interceptions last week? <laughs> yeah, but I think that the Jets' defense can keep them in the game. All right. Uh, yeah. 42. The lowest one of the weekend. And we still won't make it to that. <laughs> how, many, how many points are the Jets going to score? They only scored six last week. Yeah, and they scored, I think, 14 in the game against the Panthers. So yeah. they scored 20 all season <laughs> in two games. So they're averaging 10 a game. So even if they keep that average up and get 10 this game, that would mean that the Broncos would have to score 30 what? 33. Yeah. And I don't see that happening, so. All right. Yeah, I I think – I don't think it hits. Dolphins at the Raiders. Raiders 2-0. Derek Carr a little dinged up. Uh, But, you know, two is not playing with fractured ribs. It's going to be Jacoby Brissett. That was the biggest factor for me. Uh, and why the Raiders are going to win is because two is out. And we saw Jacoby Brissett looked absolutely terrible 
against the Bills when he came in relief. Mm. As the supposed, <clears throat> I don't know if he is the one, but one of the supposed best backup quarterbacks in the league. Uh, yeah, the the Raiders have surprised everyone mm-hmm. by who they beat both games, the Ravens and Steelers. And they actually have a pass rush this year. Max yeah. Crosby has his hair on fire right now. I mean, it's, he is playing out of his mind. So. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I think that they're going to win for pretty much all the same reasons. Not that I'm a believer in Tua, because I'm not. I'm still not a believer in Tua, but Jacoby Brissett isn't anywhere near a good quarterback either. I mean, you'd think that a guy like that, who's been behind some pretty good quarterbacks, would learn a thing or two, but. I also got to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, though, because I don't think it matters who you are. It's kind of hard to come in in relief in a football game halfway through the game and try to play yourself out of a hole or whatever. But I think he'll play better than he did last week because now we'll have a full prep, full week of preparation as the starter and all that. But I don't think it'll be enough. I think the Raiders win – and I look to their number one weapon, Darren Waller. I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah. Ruggs has been starting to get involved as well uh, a decent amount. And Chris, uh, the, the Virginia pick is not looking so good, at least early. 7 nothing deficit. I have no idea why in the hell you would go for it on fourth and goal from the five-yard line. That makes no sense. Nope. When you're only down one touchdown with six and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. Anyways, uh, over-under for this one is 44. No, because I already said Jacoby Brissett, is, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've used sucks a lot in this show today. <laughs> I don't care. Well, it's a shoe fit. I don't care. It's, it's, uh, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. Uh, Bucks at the Rams. This is the best game of the league. I mean, it is the two of the best teams in the league playing. And uh, one person's going to go home with a loss. So, we're all on the, on the Bucks, and that means the Rams are going to win. Was... I mean, I hope that's the case, but... Was was surprised. Mark, he did not pick this game. He said, roll with me, but it didn't matter because you already picked the Bucks. I was hoping that he was going to pick his Rams and give us a shot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this... I mean, you already said it's going to be probably the best game of the week. At least on paper it is. The Rams have one of the best defenses, and the Buccaneers have one of the best offenses. Brady's off to one of the possibly the best start of his career, <laughs> and I mean, in a way, I'm happy about that because he is my fantasy starter. Although this week, I'm 
benching him in favor of Russell Wilson. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't see why Brady won't continue this hot start. And uh, I haven't been keeping track, but uh, I know coming into the season he was on pace to get the yardage record next week against the Patriots. But based on how he started the season, I don't know. He might be getting it in this one. I don't know how many yards away he is, but oh, uh, oh he's got he's got to get it next week. You know the NFL is gonna storyline it like that, right? Oh yeah, I know. Just but like they did he, he when they won on... the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was on pace to do it in next week's game coming into the season, but I don't know if he has. I think he's played above that pace so far so but i don't know this game i don't think he's gonna play as well as he has but i still think that the bucket the buccaneers as a team are still the best team in the nfl and yeah the, the rams have been one of the best teams so far this year but i still don't think they're up to the buccaneers standards yet the way that the bucks win the game is not from what they've been doing the first two weeks that's not how you beat the Rams. You don't beat them throwing the ball. You beat them running the ball. Nope. So, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones have to be a pivotal factor in this game, I think, if the Bucks are going to win. And for the Rams, unlike the Bucks' offense, for the Rams' offense, it sets up very nicely. The Bucks are susceptible to the pass. And, I mean, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford have just destroyed everyone in two games so i think it was yeah i I mean the the rams definitely have a shot still love matthew stafford he's going to continue to put up numbers even against the 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 highly touted bucks defense well like i said they've been susceptible to the pass and and that's what the rams do best daryl henderson might not play so that leaves sony michelle Jake Funk, and whoever else. But, um... And just a side note, because I just looked up. Brady most likely will not break the record this week unless he just has an incredible game. He is 499 yards away from the record. I told you that the NFL is not going to let it. <clears throat> They're going to script it to get to the Patriots game. and mm-hmm. That's how these things work. <laughs> <laughs> they scripted his whole 20 year career mm-hmm. and wow. Roethlisberger has a solid chance of becoming number 6 next week passing Dan Marino I don't know who they play next week though uh, biggest over under of the weekend 56 I but don't the know. defenses I don't like are good. The defenses, yeah. <laughs> the offenses are good. Defenses are good. <laughs> yeah. Which one wins? On which one gives? But I, I definitely think this is more likely to be a defensive game. Well, let's we'll see. Uh, all right. Seahawks at the Vikings. Now, Chris. Mark. All right. Mark was rolling with me. So, that's some BS. I was I was just going to give him the Seahawks. 
<laughs> I was thinking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I just I picked the Seahawks because uh yeah, they had that tough loss against Tennessee, but they came back and beat the Colts down pretty hard. And uh the Vikings though, they're coming off an 0 2 start, two pretty heartbreaking losses. One in overtime against the Bengals, and the other a game winning missed field goal to lose the game. So uh I mean the Vikings just seem like they're that team this year. They're the team that's going to have all the bad luck in the world this year and going to find a way to lose every game like like the Chargers used to do or other teams like that. Um, and it's still early on in the season, so I'm looking for MVP version of Russ to take over the game. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the toughest games for me to uh, to pick thing that I'm going with is, just like the Colts, the Vikings can't afford to be 0-3. They sort of can in their own division with, really, the Packers, the only threat. But I, the Vikings are, in my mind, by far the best 0-2 team there is. They're playing at home. I think that matters. The Vikings crowd will be... Uh, fired up, and it's a it's a four twenty five game, so it's not like it's a uh, in Minnesota that uh, a one o'clock game is an eleven a.m. kick, I believe. They're Mountain Time, um, maybe they're Central. I don't I don't know. I'm not good at geography. What can I say? They're probably Central. So still, it's a it's a noon kickoff instead of a one p.m. Uh, Eastern. But yeah, it's a it's a four twenty five. So even if it's three twenty five, it's a lot better. A little bit extra sleep. Seahawks got to come halfway across the country. Ish. I don't know. I like them. Kirk Cousins. Kirk. That's the thing though. In their two losses, Kirk Cousins has played outstanding. They're mm-hmm. not losing because of the offense. It's the defense mm-hmm. giving up too many points. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I think that's what's going to happen here because Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. Like I said, they're in early season form. Well, they're gonna ball out like they normally do early on. Well, but we, uh, we see all that work last week, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, uh, well, what was the status with Dalvin Cook? Is he likely to play? He's or questionable. <laughs> but nobody ever knows what questionable means. <laughs> That's what uh, I think it was Stacey Dales tweeted out. She's like, I wish we could go back to getting uh, probable on the on the injury designations. <laughs> so. Over-under is 55, tied for the second highest one. I think I think it's another, another high one. Uh, both teams mm-hmm. coming off 70-point well, the Vikings game was a 70-point game, I believe. It was, or no, it was 69, right? It was, I don't know, 67, something like that. 34-33 or something like that. Yeah, and I think it was 34-33. The, yeah, the Seahawks was 33-30 in overtime. So, yeah, I think I think both teams have showed they can score. 
So, a lot of fireworks going to be happening in Minneapolis. Sunday night football, Packers at the Niners. This is a rematch. This is the third time they face each other in two seasons. Three, three seasons. Yeah. Fourth time they face each other in three seasons. Mm-hmm. Played in the regular season in 2019. NFC Championship in 2019. Regular season last year, I believe, right? Yeah. Regular season this year. And I believe Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 in those prior three games. Flash. Because the 49ers weren't good last year. Yeah, and my connection is unstable for the second time in the show, which is great. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the Packers showed what the Packers actually are last week. Granted, the the Niners played well against Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts isn't Aaron Rodgers. And I think the the injuries at the running back position for San Fran are going to hurt them. And not being able to run the ball as much. I think Jimmy G will have to throw it more. So. Yeah, the, no, the Packers won last year. Oh, okay. So. 34-17. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that nobody picked the 49ers here. Because the 49ers are a lot better than they were last year. They got all their defensive players back. But yeah, the Packers, if the Packers didn't play well last week, which arguably you could say that they didn't play well the first half of the game. So really they've only had two quarters of good football, but it was the last two quarters that they played. So they're going to build off of that. And I think they're going to continue doing what they did last week and just keep feeding Aaron Jones and win that way. And uh I mean we I mean we've seen what the 49ers are so far. They are 2 and 0. They but they've played two different kind of games. One was a big high scoring game against the Lions and then the other one was a low scoring game against the Eagles. So they can play any form of football. So it's going to be a tough game for the Packers but I still think that they find a way to win. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I just – I like this game for the Packers, and I was kind of surprised that they were the underdog, but it is in, in San Francisco, which probably is the reason why they are. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like the Packers, and uh... – Screw Aaron Jones for not getting 23 extra rushing yards on um, Monday Night Football. Screw the Packers, actually, because they... They... A.J. Dillon and freaking Kylan Hill in the fourth quarter. No Aaron Jones. They They didn't get a first down when either of those two were in. Aaron Jones would have got him a first down. Just saying. Hey careful though don't don't trash your future employers too much they might see this oh well it's a, it's a <laughs> talk show we're allowed to have opinions 
right. My best bets of the week. I went one and two last week. A tick, an uptick from an 0 and 3 week prior to that. Uh, I got the Patriots minus six at the Jets, right? Um, I didn't get the Bengals plus two and a half. I mean, come on. They lost by three. When I saw that, I was like, are you, are you kidding me, dude? Mm-hmm. And then, again, the same thing. The Rams, minus three and a half. They won by three. So, some bad beats for the best bets last week. Uh, that's that's why, that, that's why I don't like those low scoring or those low spreads. That's That's four Bs in a row. Bad beats for best bets. But it's okay. You know, hitting on 33% right now, 33.3, repeating. But it's okay. We're going to get there. We're going to get over 500. We're going to get to 500 with this week, and then we're going to get over 500 next week. So what we're going with is, and I should actually have changed these numbers because they changed. So... Depending on what the final scores are, I might change them to what they the numbers ended up being. But anyways, Ravens minus eight and a half. I think they'll they'll take care of the Lions in Detroit. Uh, I know eight and a half is pretty big for NFL, but eh. like I said, I, I they shouldn't have an issue unless Jared Goff does what he did against San Francisco. The Titans, now, I picked them before they said Carson Wentz had a chance to play. I still like it um, because I don't think he is going to play. I don't think he has a good shot. So with Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley playing, I don't think there's any chance the Colts have. And then the Raiders... Like again, it's it's the backup quarterback thing. Uh, I do not believe whatsoever that Jacoby Brissett can beat the Raiders mm. and beat them. And I don't even think that they can lose to them by uh, less than a touchdown. So yeah. it's funny because with these three uh, games here, it it literally goes from. Uh, least likely to most likely in my opinion like i i do think that all three of these are going to happen i would agree with all three of these picks but i think the least likely to happen is the ravens beating them by eight and a half i think it could be a closer game than that and then the titans game i do expect them to win too but uh, there's a lot of factors going into that one so that one's kind of tough the raiders though i think they easily win by a touchdown like you said so i think that that one covers um I am kind of surprised, though, that you didn't have the Broncos on this list. I don't like double digits. (laughs) It's not. Yeah. Even though I think there's only been, uh, like, two. I think there's only been two double-digit spreads so far. Maybe three. There was the Browns and Texans last week. And the Packers. So, and then this one. Yeah, I think this would be the third one. Mm. Um, and the Browns didn't cover theirs. The Packers did. 
So, yeah, I don't, I don't like double-digit spreads in the NFL. Uh, the Cavaliers are finally on the board, though. Answering a field goal by Wake Forest, so it's ten to three. Wake. Ten, right. Twelve minutes to go in the second. All right. It should not say final lock standings. I keep forgetting to take that out. But Chris, you came back to us last week. Uh, you had the Chiefs. They lost to the Ravens. Mark had the Browns. Who? beat the Texans, right? Yeah. And then I had the Bucks beating the Falcons. So, we're all back even. Two and one. And let's get to them this week. Chris, you are on the team that beat your team last week <laughs> in yeah. Detroit with the Baltimore Ravens. Mark and I he said, he said he was either gonna roll with me or roll with you, and I chose myself. <laughs> okay, um, I'm kind of surprised you didn't want to try for the lone wolf for the locks there, but uh, I mean, yeah, both of these teams I think should easily win. We don't have to worry about the spread with the locks, so we don't have to worry about that. And I think that. Both of these teams are poised to win. The The Ravens against the Lions, we've talked about them plenty of times in this show already. Um, I won't be surprised if it's a close game, but the Ravens have no reason why they shouldn't win. And the Cardinals, though, that should be a much more blowout of a game, I think. Um, and yeah. yeah. And after, after this week, we will no longer be allowed to pick locks against winless teams, um, which both of us did here. So next week it gets yeah, more difficult. <laughs> I mean, I mean the Lions have actually been competitive somewhat. So, Well, you said this is a trap game for the Cardinals, so. Yeah. <laughs> if we all lose, we all lose. All right. Dogs standings, dude, Mark is on fire, man. I mean, he is killing it right now. Still undefeated at 6-0. He, he had the Cowboys plus 3.5. They won outright in, in L.A. You and I, just like my, bets, my best bet, got screwed over by the Bengals losing by 3. <laughs> and we had the Bengals plus 2.5. So we went uh-huh. on 2. Um... So, yeah, let's get to it this week. Chris, you are on the Packers plus three at the Niners. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah, that... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, we talked about it kind of when we went over them, but I think that the Packers showed their true colors this past week, and I think that they can easily take the victory here. So I don't really have a problem with the plus three. At the very least, I could see a push, and they lose by a field goal. Yeah, I am on the Vikings in Seattle. Uh, that's not in Seattle. It's I believe it's in Minnesota. I had it at Minnesota. I just yeah. Wanted... The other side's at Minnesota, so correct here. Yes, it is in Minnesota. I don't know why I put at Seattle, just because the other two were away games. 
probably that's what happened. But, yeah, I like the Vikings to win outright. I already said they, they're desperate 0-2, and, um, and a plus-2 spread is pretty much winning outright anyways. Anytime you get two or less, it's, it's tough. Um, was thinking about Washington and was also thinking what you had in the Packers. Uh, those were the only really two other underdogs I was thinking about. So uh, the Chargers as well, I think they will cover. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm rolling with the Vikes. Let's get to <laughs> four and four <laughs> when I go in two. Uh, and then Mark, dude, Mark's on the Falcons plus three at the Giants. Uh, you are rolling with him as well with the Falcons. Yeah, pick. I I thought about picking them, but I'm I'm more confident with the <laughs> Packers winning against the 49ers than I am with the Falcons winning against uh, the Giants. The only thing <clears> is that Packers game um, last season was in Lambeau. The one game they've beaten the Niners the last couple of years, it's in Lambeau. <laughs> These one, this one is in San Francisco. I think that matters, but um, yeah, that's the show for the day. Another three-hour show. What's new? I don't know how we ever did those two-hour ones. I have no clue. I don't know. Uh, but it's okay. We're right at three hours now. So next Friday we'll be back uh, recapping the Monday Night Football game between the Eagles and Cowboys. And the Thursday night matchup, Jags at Bengals. Question will be, the Jags will be winless. And we've seen rookie quarterbacks get their first win on Thursday night football before, i.e. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and I believe next week is the start of the bye weeks, right? Uh, I, I believe... There's bye weeks starting next week. At least there was in the 16-game schedule. I don't know if that changed with the 17-game, but teams in the past definitely have had week four buys. No, they don't. There's there's still right, so there's still 14 Sunday games next week. All right, so then they uh, I guess they're starting a week later this year. Uh, I'm not sense. sure. It's it's really. It's really weird. I, I wrote them down in my NFL book. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely different this year in terms of buys. But thank you all for watching. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media, at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website. Check us out there. Check us out here on YouTube and Facebook. And... Mm-hmm. If you'd like to listen to us and not see our pretty faces, <laughs> we have uh, our shows available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio as well. Thank you, Chris, and we will see you on Monday for the recaps.